Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Movie Dicks Podcast. I am Gabriel Chavez. And I am Pong Shendel. Today, we are flagellating the 2014 religious film Left Behind with Nicolas Cage. But first, this is a comedy podcast. If you have not seen the movie we are about to shit on and you want to avoid spoilers, stop now. But if you don't care about spoilers or want to laugh and learn why this movie sucks so bad, turn from your wicked ways and follow us down the straight and narrow. <laughs> Without further ado, let's hand it over to Pablo Francisco. <clears throat> A small group of survivors are left behind after millions of people suddenly vanish and the world is plunged into chaos and destruction. All right, so like <laughs> this movie, I, I think it's interesting that they, I don't think they ever say the word rapture in this movie. I don't, I don't know. I think they do. I, they, <laughs> they mention it several times. <laughs> but before I continue, I have to say this as a disclaimer. I'm an atheist who became an atheist because I was brought up in the church and I read the Bible. I've read it five times cover to cover at different times in my life. And I became an atheist precisely because I read it so many times. That being said, I will make fun of this movie. This is in no way to say that I'm making fun of Christianity, your beliefs, or God. But I do not find Christianity or any other religion to be profound in my life. So I will not pull any punches as this is objectively a bad movie. <laughs> if this offends you already, skip to the next episode, but don't get angry if I make fun of the rapture or fire and brimstone proselytization. With that out of the way, <clears throat> this movie is a Entertainment One release in association with Ola Productions through Stony Lake Entertainment. Entertainment One is responsible for a whole myriad of TV and film release releases, 3,353 titles to be exact which is the highest number yet. Among them are TV shows like The Middling and Formulaic, The Walking Dead, the brilliant Netflix and BBC Stephen Knight scripted Peaky Blinders, Netflix's misguided Orange is the New Black, and movies such as Twilight, David Lynch's Dune, David Fincher's Incredible Masterpiece 7, and Dan Gilroy's news thriller Nightcrawler. They also gave us the white savior movie that won Best Picture inexplicably called Green Book. <laughs> Justin Bieber's you got, movie. You got some problems with that movie. Oh, <laughs> dude, I got problems with that movie. <laughs> Justin Bieber's movie called Believe and the disaster hmm. that is Mega Python versus Gatoroid. So, <laughs> yeah. That Near sounds a like a classic. <laughs> Near as I can tell, they are an indie as well as territory-specific distribution company where they distribute indie films like Left Behind on their own banner and also distribute big films in smaller territories, as was the case with their distribution of the Lord of the Rings trilogy in Spain. They didn't produce that fucking thing, they just distributed it, but their name still appeared before it, obviously. Despite being the second production company billed in the opening titles, I could not find anything on Ola Productions at all not an imdb not a google search not a web page uh -huh. not anywhere so maybe this is a front company to launder yeah. some money <laughs> yeah cayman but... island uh, shell company nice. oh sure dude yeah but stony lake entertainment has only made this movie that's it so they are also a money laundering operation <laughs> 
There are 15 movie, or I'm sorry, there are 15 producers to blame for this pile of hot garbage. None of these people are worth mentioning. They all have horrifyingly bad careers that consist either of money-grubbing low-budget sequels like Kindergarten Cop 2, which I didn't even know existed. Wow. Religious-based films like the three previous versions of Left Behind with the Christian ham fest known as Kirk Cameron, or they are one of the producers who only did this movie. The only two names I mentioned are Jason Hewitt, who gave us a bunch of shit I have never heard of, but he did produce Odd Thomas, Shout Out New Mexico Film, which is a bizarre comedy <laughs> horror movie they shot in ABQ with the late Anton Yelchin and is directed by the guy who did Van Helsing. So there's that. The only other guy that I'll mention is Paul Lalonde. I think that's how you say his name. But Paul Lalonde was responsible for some of the stupidest propaganda movies ever made. He has been producing movies about the rapture since 1994 when it was a huge hot topic that they were making a ton of money off of. He did Revelation with Jeff Fahey, which really fucked with my head as a kid growing up in the church. But he also did three (laughs) other Left Behind movies besides this one starting in the year 2000. And Tribulation with Gary Busey and Howie Mandel, which which scarred me. (laughs) It scarred me not because of the story, but how badly Gary Busey hams up the Christian dogma. Like, seriously, just watch the trailer for this movie. You won't be disappointed. It's fucking (laughs) awesome. But... This movie stars the one, the only, the ready experiment of reanimated dead meat himself named Nicolas Cage. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and it stars the Muppet known as Chad Michael Murray, Cassie Thompson, Nikki Whalen, Back to the Future's MILF known as Leia Thompson, Martin Kleba, and Alec Ramey. I'll lead up to Nicolas Cage as I want to shit on a few people first here and savor my time <laughs> destroying Nick Cage's career. Oh, wait, he did that already. Never mind. I'll start here with Alec because I find it detestable that he portrays a Muslim man in such a stereotypical and offensive way that his portrayal is harmful in real life to so many in this country and worldwide. He portrays Hasid in this movie, which I don't think is actually a Arabic name of any origin. Like I, I tried to Google Hasid and I couldn't find that name. So it's like, I don't know where they got that name, but the Muslim guy with no name because everybody in this movie doesn't refer to each other besides like Nicolas Cage, Chad Michael Murray, and Chloe, they never mention each other's names throughout the fucking thing. It's always that guy or this guy or whatever. Right, right. Really fucking weird. But he's mostly in small roles in movies like Red with Bruce Willis and Escape Plan with Stallone, as well as shitty action films like The Courier with Jeffrey Dean Morgan. When he isn't trying to act, and I mean he really tries to act, well, he's not very good at it. He yeah. does a ton of stunt work as well on movies like Battleship, G.I. Joe, and The Incredible Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, and Ryan Johnson's time travel crime masterpiece called Looper. I think Alec needs to take a page out of Riz Ahmed's playbook and refuse any and all Middle Eastern terrorist roles. Just, <laughs> just saying. It's been yeah. almost 20 years since 9-11, and to continue to cast Middle Eastern people in these roles seems like total racism and Islamophobia at this point. Martin Kleba plays the nameless dwarf in this movie, whose name is apparently Melvin Ware. Like, how the fuck was this information ever relayed? Like, mm. they never mentioned his name, ever. We never see a <laughs> ticket, nothing, but besides yeah. the fact, he had a first and last name, dude. Like, that's what I don't understand. But, like, they just don't. <laughs> 
won't bother with it in this movie. But we all know who he is, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll, <laughs> you'll undoubtedly recognize him as Marty the Dwarf in the Pirates movies. He's in all five or six or whatever of the fucking Pirates mm-hmm. of the Caribbean movies. He's been in 107 movies, including the pitiful, the pitiful Marky Mark, Tim Burton flick Planet of the Apes, Men in Black 2, Van Helsing, Meet the Spartans, Movie 43, The Hungover Games, and Journey to China, The Mystery of the Iron Mask <laughs> as a captain. Oh, so, that's right. That's right. Oh, man. <laughs> in, in other words, all terrible movies. I've tried to look for a good movie in this batch, and I can't find one. If I was pressed to find one, I guess I liked Ted too, but he plays Chucky at the Comic-Con scene, so that's not really a role as so much as a visual comedic punchline cameo. Yeah. So I, I don't know, but besides the fact... <sighs> It's uh, it's gotta be hard being a small person in uh, in uh, Hollywood there. You know, oh sure, dude. I mean, you're always gonna be used as a punchline. Yeah. When when is when they is just, that like, conversation gonna they, come up? They should know? just remake like uh, Grapes of Wrath well, and just <laughs> and just cast you know a midget in the lead just mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. you know just or something completely serious has nothing to do with a small person in the role just. <laughs> <laughs> Give him like the the main character. Oh sure, dude. You know? No, remember, Paul. It's a little person. It's not midget. Midget is uh, derogatory. No, I need to keep up with my uh, my terms here for describing <laughs> people. Apparently, <laughs> I apologize to all little people and there you uh, go. and their families right. well, and their families. Sure they, families. I'm sure that they won't show up and try to burn your house down, Paul. But uh, goddamn. <laughs> <laughs> As I said before, Leia Thompson, you will know, is Marty McFly's mom in Back to the Future. She plays the crazy Christian convert mom in this movie. She was in Clint Eastwood's Underwhelming J. Edgar, The Beverly Hillbillies, Dennis the Menace, Red Dawn, and Jaws 3D. So while she has over 100 acting credits to her name, seems like most of them are small roles after Back to the Future. Nikki Whalen plays the flight attendant who is thinking of having an affair with Nick Cage. Why we will never know why Cage has been looking like an aging alcoholic for some years now. She's in Hall Pass with Owen Wilson, Halloween 2, Paranormal Movie, the awful airline horror flick known as Flight 7500, and she's in three episodes of the From Dust Till Dawn TV series. But again, for having 60 acting credits, she has been in almost entirely bad shit. Cassie Thompson plays our tortured protagonist who fails the Becktail test on every single <laughs> scene as Chloe Steele. She's been in 29 movies and TV shows, including episodes of House and ER, 20 episodes of Big Love, 19 episodes of Switched at Birth, starring alongside her mom co-star in this movie, Leia Thompson, which I find kind of weird, but as well as movies like 12 Round Gun, A Sunday Horse, and Cop Dog. Again, really bad work. I will say she is in the rather excellent Julianne Moore, John Turturro comedy romance known as Gloria Bell, but she is totally forgettable in that movie, so the more here is one good movie doesn't take up for an entire lifetime of bad movies in television chad michael murray played well i mean i guess that they're all right so side note for a second i think that the only exception to that may be john travolta because john travolta like <laughs> i mean let's let's be honest here like you know greece greece is 
a product of its time. It's good in its own way, but like there's a lot of problems with it, especially in the way that like, you know, political correctness is handled in that movie in any sort of way. And same thing with Saturday Night Fever. But you know, I mean, he did a shitload of bad movies and he's still doing bad movies, but like Pulp Fiction is a fucking masterpiece. Yeah. And I, I, I can't like look at him without thinking about Vincent Vega. Yeah. So maybe, maybe there is something to maybe one good movie might actually undo a lot of bad shit. I think it can. But I mean, you'd have to do another Pulp Fiction, <laughs> dude. You know what I mean? Like, you have to do a really good movie in order to undo a lifetime of horrifyingly <laughs> bad movies. Well, sometimes you only get one <laughs> chance. And it's better than nothing, Gabe. Think about it that way. You know, he's, he did slay it in that movie, though, oh, yeah. man. I mean, he's he's badass. fucking great in Pulp Fiction. I mean, it helps when but... Tarantino writes the part for you. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. That, that kind of helps. but <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Chad Michael Murray plays Buck Williams. This role was previously played by Kirk Cameron in the previous Left Behind movie. But the photojournalist who's supposedly devilishly handsome, who somehow manages to steal Chloe's heart despite the world collapsing and the world being plunged into tribulation... I don't understand this side plot, but I'll get to that in a second. <laughs> He's known for his work on One Tree Hill, House of Wax, opposite Paris Hilton. Again, see this movie to see Paris die in a satisfying <laughs> way. I think that's like the fifth time yeah. that I brought that movie up. But A Cinderella Story and Freaky Friday with uh, Lindsay Lohan, another train wreck of a human being. He's also in Tyler Perry's A Medea Christmas uh, the Haunting in mm. Connecticut 2, Ghosts of Georgia, and one of the all-time worst movies I've ever seen, which is called Megiddo, a.k.a. The Omega Code 2, where he plays Michael Bean's character at age 16. Seriously, this movie is horrifyingly bad. <laughs> Don't see it even out of morbid curiosity. <laughs> I kind of want to check it out now. So, oh, dude, you got you got to see the Omega Code, man. <laughs> like, you got to see what what biblical like action films look like. It's it's fucking insane. I mean, so far we have a gaggle of actors who have been in terrible movies and TV shows, except for Leia Thompson's three Back to the Future movies. But let's talk about Nicolas Cage. <laughs> Nicolas Cage is a fucking enigma. A friend once described Nick Cage's career to me by saying he does a good movie once every 10 years, and he's not wrong. Yeah. I'll start with the movies that I think he's great in. He's been in Raising Arizona, Leaving Las mm. Vegas, for which he won his Oscar for, Face Off, Bringing Out the Dead, Adaptation, Matchstick Men, Lord of War, The Weatherman, which is fucking awesome, by the way. That movie doesn't yeah. get nearly the love that it deserves. Just people throwing the fucking milk shakes to him constantly throughout that movie it's like this recurring joke that's hilarious dude but he's also in grindhouse although this was only a cameo but he's great in it yeah bad lieutenant bad lieutenant port of call new orleans which he is hilariously psychotic in i i didn't want to like that movie dude. yeah i really didn't i was like why the fuck are they making a bad lieutenant sequel and it doesn't have harvey Keitel? and then i saw it and like Werner herzog really directed that pretty yeah, goddamn no, well it came out pretty awesome I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah. He's also in Kick-Ass, which is one of my favorite movies. Joe, which is one of the movies that kind of made me think that maybe he is still a good actor. And the Cosmic 
horror film Mandy, which I think that's actually the movie that I mentioned the most on this yeah. podcast. If you haven't seen it, <laughs> watch the goddamn movie, man. Jesus. Oh, my God. But did you see it yet? Seriously. Seriously. Did you see it yet? Did you see it yet? I'm going to just keep fucking asking. But he's also in Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, which is a great animated yeah. movie and color out of space. However, Nicolas mm. Cage has had more awful movies than any three actors combined. <laughs> He was he was in Vampire's Kiss, which he is horrifyingly bad in it. Wild at Heart, The Rock, Con Air, City of Angels. Please skip this movie and just watch the movie it was based on, Wings of Desire. Snake Eyes, 8mm, which is horrifying <laughs> in every goddamn way. Gone in 60 Seconds, The Family Man, Captain Corelli's Mandolin, which I cannot hate enough. Wind Talkers, which he single-handedly fucks up this movie. I'm not joking when I say... Dude, what, if you haven't seen Wind Talker, sit down and watch it and tell me if you didn't cut Nicolas Cage completely out of that movie, that that movie would have actually been palatable. Yeah. Like, he's so fucking bad. <laughs> but he's also in National Treasure 1 and 2, World Trade Center, which he is terrible mm. in, even though the movie's not awful, The Wicker Man, which is the most abominable <laughs> piece of shit. Ghost Rider 1 and 2. Next, Bangkok Dangerous, Knowing, G-Force, Drive Angry, Trespass, Stolen, <laughs> The Frozen Ground, Dying of the Light, and so, so many more. Just in the last decade, dude, get this right. In the last 10 years since 2010, he's made 45 movies. Goddamn. You believe that, that shit? That is intense. Of which I've seen 20, and almost all of them have sucked. <laughs> so there's that. He's got uh, but, he's got tax problems. Uh, got it. Yeah, I know, man. <laughs> <laughs> but at least he's extremely prolific. Forty-five movies in ten years is more than most people do in their entire career. So maybe that's worth noting. But I I don't know anymore, <laughs> man. With Nicolas Cage. Before I continue, I think it's worth noting that Nicolas Cage is actually Nicolas Coppola. He's Francis Ford Coppola's nephew and Sofia Coppola's cousin. The reason I bring this up is Nicolas Cage's brother, Mark Coppola, is a priest and a big fan of the book Left Behind and asked Cage to make this movie. Hmm. So he did this as a favor for his brother. Just a note on how badly things can go when you make art as a favor for a family member. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> This movie is based on the international best-selling fourth book in the 16-book-long series that has sold more than 80 million copies worldwide in 34 languages, written by Evangelical... Jellical. 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 Oh, Jellical. Yeah. <laughs> I managed to like, put that away in the back of my head, and I didn't have to think about it for a long time. Wow. I put that in parentheses so that way I could <laughs> fuck with you a little bit more. It's written by evangelical, jellical, jellical preachers, Jerry B. Jenkins and Tim LaHaye. I haven't found numbers on how much money they've made over the course of these books, but a conservative like estimated $10 a book, that's $800 million just on the books. It's a wonder they didn't put any of that money into this movie, to be honest <laughs> with you, but you know, I'll, I'll get to that in a second. This movie was written by Paul Lalonde, the producer I mentioned previously, with John Pattis, also another producer on this movie, who somehow, I don't know how the fuck they can claim that they wrote a screenplay here, but I'll, I'll get to that later. As I mentioned before, 
Paul Lalonde has been responsible for all religious-themed films. He wrote The Mark of the Beast, Racing to the End of Time, Revelation, Tribulation, the first Left Behind movie with Kurt Cameron, Judgment, and Left Behind 2 and 3, as well as this quote-unquote reboot, so to speak. His career stretches 17 years, and I don't know when he's going to stop predicting the rapture, <laughs> but I guess as long as people buy into it, he'll keep writing and as producing. As long as there's a rapture to predict. Oh yeah, dude. I mean, even after, dude, like, I know that that motherfucker is going to be left behind if there is a real rapture because he's got to be corrupt, you know, but (laughs) besides the fact, after the rapture, he's still going to be making movies about the rapture if there is a rapture, (laughs) but besides the fact... John Paytas wrote Left Behind 2 and 3 and this movie as well as Road to the Ring, a Christian documentary about Evander Holyfield, which they made before all that shit came mm. out about his him cheating on his wife and shit. Whoops. I'm like, oh, mm, look at that, I motherfucker. <laughs> the, uh, he also made a movie called The Mark with Eric Roberts about the mark of the beast, obviously. The Mark 2, its sequel, Saw the Journey to Damascus and the Apostle Peter Redemption. This is this is something that I found really interesting as I was doing the research on this movie is that all these religious-based films, it's like they'll say something simple about the title, like the Apostle Paul or the Apostle Peter. And then they'll have like a colon and then like some fucking word, you know, redemption or salvation <laughs> or whatever. Like it's some sort of like big mega franchise or some shit. It's really weird. But again, this guy's career has spanned 14 years and he's still is predicting the end of the world and the rapture. So I want to move on to the director here. This movie is directed by Vic Armstrong. He is mostly known as a stunt coordinator and second unit director with over 180 credits between the two delineations, whereas his directing career is six credits long. But listen to this, Paul. Amongst his stunt work is Thor, Shout Out New Mexico Film, Salt with Angelina Jolie, I Am Legend, MI3, War of the Worlds by Steven Spielberg, Gangs of Fucking New York, Starship Troopers, Cutthroat Island, The Vow. I mean, I'm sorry, Johnny Mnemonic. I forgot the name of the movie for a second. (laughs) Last Action Hero, Universal Soldier, Total Recall, Conan the Destroyer, Brazil, Crawl, the original fucking Blade Runner movie, Raiders of the Lost fucking Ark, and a fuckload more, man. But these are just some of the highlights in his career as a stunt coordinator. As a second unit director, it's kind of even more interesting. He's worked on The Wolfman with Benicio Del Toro, The Golden Compass, The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, which is fucking (laughs) horrifying. The Four Feathers with Heath Ledger, Die Another Day, the fucking Halle Berry, uh, Bond Mm. flick, Quills, Quills with Jeffrey Rush, which I didn't understand, okay? So like this guy is an action unit director and a stunt coordinator but he directed the second unit of Quills. And I'm like, Quills is mostly Jeffrey Rush sitting in a cell talking horrifying like sexual perversions. So I didn't know what the hell that was about. But he also second unit directed Entrapment. He did the laser sequence, obviously. And the original movie called The Avengers with Uma Thurman, which is a Mm. vomit-worthy pile of garbage. And Rob Roy with Liam Neeson, which is legitimately a underrated movie. He also directed, get this, Paul, he directed the opening sequence of Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Oh shit. Yeah. And was the and was the unicorn master on R- Ridley Scott's Legend <laughs> and was the action unit supervisor on the horrible Arnold movie known as Red Sonia. But side note, with all that stunt work and second unit work, how the fuck did this yeah. movie turn out like <laughs> yeah, this? That's true. Like, even... It's unbelievable. <laughs> 
Mm. But as a director, he made three episodes of The Young Indiana Jones, uh, Army of One with Dolph Lundgren, this flick, and A Sunday Horse with Ving Rhames. Linda Hamilton and fucking William Shatner <laughs> is in that movie. This, this movie is a tribulation unto itself in that it's 110 minutes long and was produced for $16 million, which you can fucking tell that this was a $16 million movie. Yeah. Left Behind was released on October 3rd, 2014 at 1,887 theaters and opened in the sixth spot with a $6.3 million weekend. Above it, in ascending order, the top five of that weekend were The Maze Runner, shout out New Mexico Film in its third week, the excellent animated film The Box Trolls in its second weekend in the number four spot, the generic action reboot that is The Equalizer in the se- in its second week in the number three spot, the Conjuring prequel Annabelle in the number two spot in its first weekend, and lastly, the number one movie that weekend was David Fincher's Fantastic Gone Girl in its first weekend with a $37 million mm-hmm. gross. So a mere $31 million behind, Gone Girl was left behind. It was in theaters for 91 days and went on to score a $14 million domestic oof. Not even breaking even in the United States. $14 million domestic and $13 million internationally, bringing its worldwide haul to just over $27 million. This means that Entertainment One lost $5 million on this movie with advertising and distribution costs. They actually paid the world, Paul, $5 million <laughs> to see this movie. Uh, but they got this the word makes- out. That's what's important. Oh, dude. Okay. So like <laughs> something like 70% of all Americans identify as being Christian, right? Like Judeo-Christian belief structure. That's like Catholics and everybody else combined. But even if you got 1% of that to respond, <laughs> yeah. like you would have at least yeah. had $90 million. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? So this movie didn't have any response if, even from the evangelical community, which is bizarre. Yeah. I mean, just, just look at Passion of the Christ, dude. Passion oh, of the Christ man. is like still like the seventh largest R-rated movie ever made or some shit because it, like they got every evangelical to go see that movie and they had like church showings and shit yep. like that but I, I think that even the church knew that this was horrifying <laughs> but what what's really what's really disappointing about this movie is that like the two authors apparently saw an advanced screening of this movie and they said that they think it's the best movie ever made about the rapture and that they also think that it's going to renew interest in the books and like biblical teachings and I'm like oh I don't know about that. <laughs> I mean, if if God exists, like he wouldn't have let this happen. You know what I mean? <laughs> this makes Left Behind the 4,410th all-time domestic box office record holder behind the 1999 Omar Epps LL Cool J vehicle with Stanley Tucci and Pam Greer called Too Deep, but ahead of the Olsen Twilight twins starring family comedy from 2004 known as new york minute oh god (laughs) yeah not good company (laughs) this this opening gross also makes it the 618th opening of a pg-13 movie behind 2004's bizarre welcome to mooseport and ahead of 2019's palms a comedy about cheerleading starring diane keaton i don't know what the fuck that is (laughs) yeah (laughs) 
That's what I said. How old is she in uh, that? Uh, I don't. She's gotta be like oh, dude. I mean, 100. she's got to be 63, 64 in that movie, I think. Huh. But this this gross, this gross is the 5,032nd of all time worldwide behind 2004's Oscar nominated Being Julia and ahead of 2011's Bollywood movie called Desi Boys with a Z, Desi. by the way, boys. Oh, classy. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> but this this movie did, however, manage to make more than six times what the original Kirk Cameron movie Left Behind made in the year 2000. So that means we should make another one, right? We should make a Left Behind 2 with Nicolas Cage and a Left Behind 3, maybe. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, my God. But the country that was wise enough to avoid this leper colony of a movie was Portugal with a $758 opening and gross. Side note, I've been to Portugal and there's this little town called Fatima that's in the middle of the uh, the the country, so to speak. And Fatima is like one of the most Catholic places on earth. And they have this, they have this giant square, dude. It's beautiful. Like all these beautiful buildings that are just devoted to the church. It's almost like the Vatican. There's yeah. like these giant buildings with columns and shit. It's gorgeous. But down the middle of this giant fucking like uh, courtyard, which is probably the size of like 10 football fields. It's that big and it's completely made out of granite and marble. Uh, right down the middle of that is a white marble like walkway. And what it is there for is that like pilgrims can come there and they can kneel on their knees and they can walk all the way on their knees to the fucking like uh, tabernacle where they can pray before Christ. Yeah. And it's like the supposedly the exact length of how long Jesus walked with the cross and <laughs> to get to Golgotha nice. and, and when you get there I can't remember what it is they have like some what do they call it when it's uh when it's like a it's like a memento that is supposedly religious is it called a sacrament like in like in, in Bruges when they go to the 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 church of Christ's blood and like supposedly they got Christ's blood in that little vial yeah, you're you're asking the wrong person <laughs> here Gabe <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't remember what they call those little mementos, but like I can't remember what the memento is at the tabernacle, but it's like significant to Jesus because apparently some angel appeared before somebody in this location or some shit. <laughs> like yeah. that's why it's oh, important. Yeah. Regardless, Portugal avoided this movie with a $758 opening <laughs> and gross. I'm not saying or I'm not joking when I say that this movie played in two theaters for one day in Portugal and then they pulled it. So at least Portugal has good taste in that they didn't let this infect the populace. <laughs> Once again, <laughs> the highest grossing movie of all time in Portugal was 2009's Dances with Wolves remake known as Avatar. Shout out. Fuck you, James Cameron. I just want to repeat myself. With a $9,560,886 growth. If you, if you had a chance to go down to New Zealand for like a year or a year and a half to work on avatar would you go you know <laughs> why, do you, why do you have to put things in that kind of context yeah you would you would go i would go too so. i would yeah i would go i would go 
<laughs> would you rescind but, all your fuck yous to James Cameron? If fuck you... <laughs> no, dude. Fuck That's no. the condition. You I have would, to. Would... You have to retract your statements. No, no, okay. no. I would turn it all down. Right, I would right. turn it down, and I would wait for Peter Jackson right. to do something. <laughs> then. Right. And you got some principles, at least. All right, I'll give you that. I have I do have principles. Yeah. With an average cost of five point one nine euros per ticket, or six dollars and fifty cents American in two thousand fourteen, that brings total asses and seats to. 116.62 people saw this movie opening weekend in Portugal. With a total population of 10.43 million people in 2014, that means that 1.116 one100,000ths of Portugal's population saw this movie opening weekend. Left Behind has a rapturous, can I use that pun about a thousand times in this episode, Paul? <laughs> 3.1 out of 10 with 36,281 votes on IMDb, a 12 on Metacritic, and a statistically impossibly low 1% on RottenTomatoes.com, ranking this movie as our lowest Metacritic and Rotten Tomatoes scoring <laughs> movie yet. That, Surprisingly that enough. That is its own accomplishment. That's a fucking achievement, dude. <laughs> like, God damn. All right, so like even even statistical analysis, in order to score an average score of one on Rotten Tomatoes amongst the sixty-eight critics, like I'm, I don't know if I don't know how you get to that arithmetically. You know what I mean? Like you have to literally have everybody scoring at a one or a zero in order to get there arithmetically. <laughs> But besides the fact, surprisingly enough, it does have a 38% audience score on Rotten Tomatoes. I guess the Fire and Brimstone crowd might have scared up a higher score here yeah. than evidently godless critics of Hollywood. <laughs> but the IMDb score makes Left Behind the 33rd worst movie of all time, but it is still a full eight places better than our episode 17 movie Cats <laughs> and a staggering listen to this paul it is a staggering 14 places better than our episode 14 movie Gili. Oh, man. how is that possible uh, uh i mean this movie was less offensive than Gili, i think and, <laughs> yeah. I, I get that yeah i mean but cats dude jesus <laughs> i mean at least with this movie i didn't have a goddamn headache and i wasn't like shocked yeah. at what i was seeing and i didn't have a fucking nightmare after i saw this movie but to give you an idea of how bad this movie is, the 1996 movie that starred Shaq called Kazam <laughs> is ranked two places higher than Left Behind. <laughs> and get this, Paul. Mm. Uh, listen oh, to this, no. because it's going to fucking blow your mind. Speed 2 Cruise Control is a full 62 places better than Left Behind. <laughs> it's that terrible. <sighs> I don't know if that's possible. <laughs> This movie ranks highest amongst females aged less than 18 with a 4.1 and lowest amongst males aged less than 18 with a 1.8 <laughs> out of 10. Wow. <laughs> once again, once again, I am staggered by the 2,081 people on IMDb that voted left behind a perfect goddamn 10. <laughs> One in three people, Paul, this is the way it breaks down statistically. One in three people on IMDb that voted this movie voted it a one out of ten stars. One out of three. Like, even respondents of one percent, like, that's a pretty staggering percentage. But somehow, over 2,000 people <laughs> thought this movie was the greatest movie wow. they'd ever seen. Wow. 
before I get to the reviews, of the 68 reviews accrued on Rotten Tomatoes, only one has a fresh rating and was written by Diana Sanger from ReviewExpress.com, where she said, quote, a great cast delivers high drama in this action thriller, end quote. Original score, 4.5 out of 5 stars. (laughs) Yeah. I want to single her out because not only is she the only positive review in the overwhelming majority of Descent, she also gave Once Upon a Time in Hollywood a two out of five stars when she reviewed it saying, quote, I think the majority of movie goers these days do not go to see movies that appear like one thing, but is not what they expected, end quote. Okay, so like, was she expecting that Tarantino was going to do a straight up like fucking drama flick? about the murder of Sharon Tate. Like, what the fuck was she even expecting? What does she even mean by that shit? I know it's alternate history and that he bashes the fucking, like, people's heads in at the end, but I'm like, did you see Inglorious Bastards? Like, you can fucking tell that this is the same kind of movie, even from the trailers. But regardless, on top of the fact that Sharon Tate is fucking alive in the trailers, and I'm like, dude, what the fuck was she expecting? But okay, Paul, so this, this is- I was expecting, when I saw, when I saw Once Upon a Time, in Hollywood I was expecting more Manson time and I didn't get that so I was kind of meh on the whole movie mm. the first time but uh, revisiting it I think it's a great movie and I really enjoy it and I yeah. think I, it actually yep. it's like one of those movies that ages more and better every time you see it honestly I don't know yeah yeah I think Brad Pitt's performance is like truly sublime oh, in that yeah. movie no, and he's great. he deserved his Oscar but dude like something kind of interesting about Once Upon a Time in, uh, in Hollywood is that the guy who plays Charlie Manson is the same guy that plays Charlie Manson in season two of Mindhunter and like his <laughs> his his episode where he's being interviewed is fucking fantastic dude. Yeah. like i can't speak highly enough about that episode if you just go on i on uh on youtube and type in charlie manson interview mindhunter and watch that scene it is a master class yeah. of filmmaking editing and fucking cinematography dude like it is brilliant hmm. and i can't speak highly enough about it like that scene if i could single out one scene from last year of any movie or television show that i was like giddy about it's that like his role in mindhunter yeah. itself fucking good but get this paul she also gave the lion king our episode five movie five out of five stars shut the fuck she says it was better than the fucking original get the fuck out okay she She... also (laughs) all right hang on hang on she also gave inception two out of five stars calling it quote too smart end quote (laughs) okay yeah Yeah. Yeah. all right that's who that's who we're dealing with here okay yeah and lastly she gave the pacifier with vin diesel four out of five stars and called it quote really hilarious in one of her favorite movies of the fucking year end quote (laughs) fuck you diana sanger anyway My favorite reviews begin with Frank Sheck of The Hollywood Reporter. Frank muses, quote, The rapture won't come soon enough for the unfortunate souls forced to suffer through Left Behind. End quote. (laughs) Original score, zero out of five stars. (laughs) Elizabeth Weitzman of The New York Daily News ponders, quote, What has gone so horribly wrong in Cage's career that he is forced to accept any paycheck that comes his way end quote original score zero out of five stars yeah <laughs> i mean we know what went wrong i mean he owes a shitload of money to taxes 
But lastly, lastly, Christy Lemire throws Cage's shit back into his own face when she orates, quote, It should have more smoldering panic bursting into full-blown freakouts. It should have more passion, more intensity. It should have more bees, end quote. <laughs> Original score, one out of four stars. <laughs> I really like that quote, yeah. dude. I was like, that's good. That's fucking good. <laughs> lastly, lastly, behind, Left Behind is rated PG-13 for some thematic elements, violence, peril, and brief drug content so paul eddie Guidel steps out to the dugout you blink several times at disbelief as you are unsure if your eyes are fooling you it's 1951 and owner bill veek is trying his best to keep people interested in the st louis browns we stand in sportsman's park three in st louis missouri on august 19th 1951 with 18,369 people in the stands the St. Louis Browns have been fucking up this season. It's their 114th game of the season, and they've endured 77 losses so far. Yeah, that's bad. <laughs> Owner Bill Veek, however, has a plan, a foolproof plan, Paul, to drum up interest in the team as he premieres his free agent hire that he hired the very same day that he put him on the field. As Eddie walks onto the field, the crowd erupts in thunderous applause. It's the first play of the first inning, and Eddie stands tall at a diminutive three foot seven inches tall. <laughs> the crowd erupts into applause as he approaches home plate, and the Detroit Tigers starter Bob Kane pitches four balls across home plate, walking Eddie to first base. His number on his uniform? One eighth. Ball. <laughs> <laughs> this. Uh... This would be this would be Eddie's only career plate appearance. As Eddie trots to first, the crowd erupts in applause. Once landed, Eddie was lifted for a pitch runner and ends his career as the acting interim commissioner. Ford Frick voids his major league contract on August 21st, <laughs> 1951. But his record remains. Listen to this. Eddie Guidel holds the record as the major league baseball player with the highest on-base percentage in the history of baseball <laughs> with a perfect 1.000 his achievement paul has been memorialized in the hall of fame the baseball hall of fame in cooperstown new york and a life-size cutout of him stands next to six foot 11 inch tall twins player john rouch as the shortest and the tallest men ever to play in the fucking majors years later when asked about his time in the mlb eddie said quote for a moment, I felt like Babe Ruth, end quote. Pitch runner Jim Delsing steps up to bat to replace Eddie as you wind up and you pitch this motherfucker to me, Paul. <clears throat> and for the final bit of my, my congregation here, I want to tell you about Amos 9-11. In that day, I will raise up the booth of David that has fallen and repair its breaches and rise up its ruins and rebuild it as in the days of old. This, of course, refers to the third temple of Jerusalem, which people, I must say that God needs your help today to bring about his glory in the rapture. We must provide the funds through our tithes <laughs> to bring about the rapture. <laughs> 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 
please dig deep into your pockets and give what you can so we may experience the glory of God in final days. Now, excuse me, I must uh, go back to my room. But little David here, little David here, I must, I must have you for a minute for a private prayer session. Okay. <laughs> little David, little David, listen to me, boy. Listen to me, boy. We've got to repent our sins. Got to repent our sins very hard. No, no, no. Hard, no. hard. What the fuck is this? What do you want? I'm busy here. David, David, go in the closet. Just hide in the closet for a minute, okay? Come in, come in, come in. Oh, it's you. Okay, okay. Listen up. Listen, listen, my son. Listen, my son. We have the opportunity of a lifetime here. I have been working with the state, the glorious state of Israel, and I have secured the rights to the property across from the Western Wall, property across from where the Third Temple shall be built. And we're going to need the money. We're going to need a lot of money here. To build the world's greatest theme park, the Rapture theme park, and build the the temple and all that bullshit, of course. Listen, okay. We're, listen, okay. We're gonna need twenty million dollars to make a movie. We need we need oh, much more money than twenty million dollars, but uh, think of think of this movie as. Long-term investment, okay? It's gonna be, it's gonna be about the rapture. It's based on the best-selling series Left Behind. And let me tell you, this <laughs> motherfucker owes me money, and and the goddamn degenerate Nicholas Cage, he owes me money for my casino business. So I figure, I figure we can, we could get him for free, and he'll drive in the uh, the non-believers into this movie and turn them into believers. <laughs> And once we get those believers, we get the cash to buy. We'll buy Jerusalem. We'll just buy it all, and we'll build the temple, and we'll build the theme park, and we'll be so much more rich. Now get the fuck out of here. I got business with God. Okay, David, get out of the fucking closet. You're going to repent. You're going to repent hard. Oh god. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> I almost had a pulmonary embolism um- <laughs> <ambulism> there. <laughs> I couldn't stop laughing, dude. I was having a pulmonary embolism. Um- yeah. <laughs> you like my you like my southern preacher there? <laughs> that's good. That's good. That's a lot of John Goodman old brother where art thou going on? <laughs> oh god. Okay. And catch my breath here for a second. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, hang on. Hiccups yeah, right there. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, so Paul, you know, uh, I'm going to let you talk for a second while I get, I get my breath back, but it, give me, give me your gut reaction on this movie, man. Like, I, I want to know what your gut reaction. <sighs> it seems like all the worst movies ever made, like not the ones that I can kind of see like middling, like something happening in it. Like, I want to know your gut reaction. Oh, to this, dude. Like, for- First thing that struck me was how bad the score is. And it was like, oh, nausea inducing kind of like one guy and a keyboard, you know, doing his <laughs> yeah. thing. It's got yeah. that. Obviously a digital MIDI keyboard yeah. too. Yeah, but Not even like a real piano. But it's trying to bring up 
up all these like sacred emotional feelings in you and i'm just like fuck you Ugh. get the fuck out of here you piece of shit take your music take your fucking sheet music out of here you bitch oh get dude <laughs> uh, but yeah no it's it's pretty terrible it's pretty terrible i can yeah, yeah. i think i can shit on this for a while here <laughs> 33rd worst movie of all time paul I mean, I haven't seen a, the majority of those 33, so I can't can't judge it. Yeah. All right, so of, of the worst <laughs> movies that you've ever seen, okay, like like stack, I think stack this it, thing up. I think it has some of the worst acting in any of the movies that we've reviewed so far. Yep. Like, I don't I don't think I have a problem with Nick Cage in this movie. Like he's just Nick Cage, okay. but yeah, uh, yeah. especially some of the kind of side like bit actors are really bad yeah. there. Oh. Yep. <laughs> yeah they're pretty fucking bad that woman in the goddamn airport at the beginning that she like talks to and just has to confront that is like horrifying acting from that woman and horrifying acting from chloe or whatever the fuck her actual actress's name is <laughs> I just I'm shocked by that scene to be honest. Which uh, sorry, which scene was that? At the very beginning when they're in JFK and that woman's like pulling Chad Michael Murray aside and she's saying, uh, you know, like, oh, you know, this, that, and yeah. the other, and he's like trying to tell her that God doesn't exist. And like it just so happens that Chloe has to get in on this conversation. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I'm I'm gonna start here for a second with my tirade. Because like this is obviously not JFK. Like it's very obviously not JFK. JFK doesn't look like that at all. But the fact that everybody in the this movie is supposedly at the beginning anyway in New York or from New York. Nobody <laughs> in New York talks like this. Yeah. Nobody like if somebody came up to you as a reporter and was like, even as a reporter as a fucking New Yorker and started talking to you about like challenging your beliefs in God, you would just tell them to suck your dick and you'd walk away. Like there wouldn't be any of this like conversation, but like they just don't have anything to do. And this woman can go on this soliloquy. Like it's fucking ridiculous. I, I don't understand. It's yeah. like the beginning, the tip of the the fucking iceberg with my problems yeah. in this movie. But Chad Michael Murray, bro, like, oh boy. Oh boy. Uh, no, he's so he's real good. One of the <laughs> one of the first things in this movie that bothered me was that the woman grabs that, like she's in the bookshelf, like or she's in the bookstore, like Hudson News or whatever, and she grabs that book off the shelf called Acts of God. <laughs> and that is the worst Photoshop cover of a book I've ever seen in my life. I was like, wow. Yeah. But it's it's a good thing. Dude. No, I it's love all their like this... subtle hints with little uh acts of God and you know the, like yeah. close-ups of the Bible that are just they're stretched out a little too long to feel yeah. like it belongs in the scene or it's edited <laughs> properly but it's a good thing that this movie starts off with the white blonde girl or else I'd probably be really pissed if they were trying to center a Christian movie about somebody that wasn't white and blonde, oh, yeah. you know what no. I mean because obviously all right so for real <laughs> <laughs> I I got I got I got to seriously bitch about this for a second. Like there is a real strong undercurrent in evangelical Christianity toward racism and it is absolutely breathtaking to watch to be honest with you. Like I I was a kid in Albuquerque, New Mexico at some random church that my parents happened to pick out and that was their church. You know, so young kid, one of 500,000 people at that time in Albuquerque and I happened to end up at this one church that had like 900 seats or whatever. And 
And somehow this tiny little fucking place in Albuquerque, New Mexico, I wound into racism like almost immediately from the preacher. Like the shit that he would talk about, like Rob Carmen was his name. I'll never forget his name. But the shit that he would talk about, even as a kid, not <laughs> knowing a lot, yeah. I was like, whoa, <laughs> like what is... He would, he would go on these mission trips and he'd come back from Africa or South America, whatever, and he would talk some shit about people of color, yeah. man. Like, it was unbelievable. And I was like, this is just my first exposure to religion <laughs> as a kid. I knew something was fucked. Yeah. I was like, that's not to say that all religion is like this, but, like, there's a real subcurrent of racism in Christianity that's, like, horrifying, to be sure. Yeah. I mean, why Jesus? You <laughs> I mean, know, there's like- a whole Southern Baptist <laughs> church which broke off from the main church because they wanted to have slaves and they've kind of right. they haven't really right. changed their their tune on that <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah yeah all right so they cut inside of the house right and like mom is standing there or whatever but they they start in on this family photo and then they dolly out but like the family photo has an obviously photoshopped nick cage head on whoever's body that was <laughs> and you can like see it dude it's like it's so bad you can see it under his neck but you know, I mean, I I got a problem. I got a problem with right off the bat. This movie starts quoting the Bible. Okay, so like this is a thing that I have a real problem with proselytization. I'm not going to even go into my problems with the Bible necessarily or anything like that. But proselytization, you have to structure your argument based on some common ground that you have with this non-believer that you're trying to convert, right? <laughs> and immediately structuring your conversation on a book that they don't believe in and they haven't read, and that being justification of your argument is the stupidest way to go about changing somebody to your beliefs like you need to approach it from their angle what their life experience is and i I just had this conversation with a pair of jehovah's witnesses on my doorstep probably a few months ago they come and they ring the bell have conversations with them you're like okay so dude This 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 is what used to happen, okay? Yeah. Like when I was younger, like in my early twenties, I would actually invite them in and talk to them at length for like a couple hours. And I would take their beliefs and my beliefs and like systematically shut them down on every point by counter quoting some other verse in the Bible that went directly against yeah. the verse that they were quoting me. But like I used to have a problem with uh we had these like Westboro Baptist Church type motherfuckers on campus at UNM when I was in college, and uh these guys would hold up signs and said like god hates you know the f word when it came to gay people and they'd have like giant pictures of aborted fetuses on their signs and they just stand out all day yeah. with fucking megaphones like yelling at people and every time i'd see that i i'm not joking when i would say i would take the entire day off of class <laughs> i would skip whatever class i was going to and I would sit there and I would argue with them until they couldn't stand me in their face anymore. And I chased off more than a few of them <laughs> off of campus because they couldn't stand talking to me anymore. But like I, I lived for that shit when I was younger. <laughs> nowadays, I don't nowadays I don't spend that much time. But like these two Jehovah's Witnesses come to my door because I'm like three blocks down from a Jehovah's Witness temple or whatever. I can't remember what they call it. I think it's temple. The thing that I find strangest about it is it was it was a black family. And the reason that I find that strange is that Jehovah's Witnesses for more than 50 years preached that black people were the sons of ham meaning that they were cursed and they couldn't believe in their religion because of the color of their skin but these these this black family shows up at my doorstep and it's like a man a woman and a child who's like probably under 10 i'm standing there and i'm talking to them they ring the doorbell and i knew who they were before they even opened their mouth and so (laughs) 
they, they start saying like, you know, I said, hi, good morning. How are you? You know, and they start talking and they're really nice. You know, I'll never fault them for that. Yeah. They're really nice. But like she says, uh, the first thing out of the woman's mouth was brother, do you believe that we're living in the end times? And I stopped and I was just like, yo, all right, hang on. I was like, just <laughs> hang on. I was like, I'm not going to get into a fight with you. I don't want to get in a fight with you. All I'm going to say is that I was raised Christian. I believed in it for a while when I was a kid. I read the Bible five times. I've read the Book of Mormon cover to cover as well. I've read the Quran. And all I can say is that your belief structure is not unique. That's number one. And number two, I don't come to your house wherever you are and tell you that you're a sinner and you're going to burn in hell. I was like, so why are you coming to my house and interrupting the sanctity of my home, assuming that I am a person that you need to tell that I'm going to die and I'm going to burn in hell? And they're like, well, I respect your opinion, but you know, this is the way that it is. If you don't believe in Christ in this way, you're going to burn in hell, blah, blah, blah. I was like, please get off my doorstep and write down my address is never come back. <laughs> to everyone at your congregation. Because like the next time you come back, I'm going to invite you inside and we're going to have a three hour conversation on why your religion is full of shit and why Joseph Smith is a fucking moron. And I was trying not to curse throughout this, but I got really pissed off near the end. And so I started cursing and I was just like, have a great day. Be safe. Enjoy your day. And I shut the door in their face. And I was just like, dude, that, that was the calmest that I'd been toward evangelicals for a while because usually I get really angry and I start yelling almost immediately. But I just I find it really really interesting that they proselytize like that i'm like you're coming to me and telling me that i'm a piece of shit like literally that is your <laughs> fucking plan is come to me and tell me that i'm a piece of shit uh, you know I, i'm gonna move past well this i mean that's second, but uh, i don't think that really goes with the the theme of the movie in that uh you know it's it's yeah. more like children get saved immediately and then yeah. somehow somehow yeah. all these pilots get saved which i just find <laughs> utterly ridiculous i mean <laughs> dude i have that in my notes later i wanted to get to it later yeah. but like if you if you are a person of faith and you believe in the rapture you should not take a job that relies on hundreds of people's lives depending <laughs> on you being there that's, that's what's up but I mean, it, this movie, this movie is accurate in showing the, the proselytization because the Christian woman starts like talking over non-believers almost immediately. And that's very, very real. Yeah. And it's a real problem. But, you know, I, I wrote in my notes no yeah. less than like probably 12 times that the score in this movie is fucking <laughs> atrocious. Yeah, I, uh, and then I wrote... It, at score <laughs> nausea inducing score gave me diarrhea uh let's see score is an abortion so yeah i got a, i got a couple notes on that too a lot of <laughs> but you know i mean after this proselytization scene the score goes into this weird upbeat sax thing uh, and i was like what the hell is going uh, on no, like now like, there's an upbeat uh, is that when the like sexy woman is getting out of her car and putting on makeup like some kind of strumpet probably, or something probably. like that and she gets the little probably I, I, the cheesy electric guitar riff you know uh, <laughs> so bad uh, it was like it was like a bad porno score yeah like, was, yeah exactly oh, oh. <laughs> 
but who who introduces themselves dude by their full name chloe sits down with that that chad michael murray and she says hi i'm chloe Steele." i'm like it seems like in today's day and age you wouldn't want somebody to know your last name right off the bat because then they can go on facebook and start stalking <laughs> you and like track your fucking location you know yeah. or some shit no, that reminds I don't, me i, need I don't to know take I mean, my name off this podcast fuck anyways yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we don't track you yeah I'm just like, what the fuck, man? But this woman, the woman he's obviously flirting with on the escalator, uh, you know, the the flight attendant that we had talked about, she looks a lot like his daughter, Chloe. Hmm. Like, do you think that that's intentional or do you think that that's just somebody wasn't paying attention? I think he just, he only her? goes for blondes. I mean, yeah. Yeah, it's just a thing. I mean, wait, Leia Thompson's a brunette, right? His wife? Uh, I thought she was I, I can't remember. I can't remember, yeah, to be honest with you, bro. All right. Well, I mean, <laughs> she's a good Christian, therefore blunt. Okay. Anyways, yeah, yeah. Obvious, obviously, yeah. Okay. All right. So, <laughs> so they talk. They talk at length, dude, about Nick wanting to Nick Cage wanting. Okay. So I don't remember Nick Cage's name, so I'm just gonna refer to people as Chad, Nick, and the only person I remember is Chloe's name. So like, I'm gonna refer to them as such. Yeah. But yeah, so I don't remember names they, either. They begin talking at length about Nick wanting to leave his wife. So non-believers obviously cheat on their spouses and have unhappy marriages. Like this is such a fucking <laughs> trope that pisses me off. Yeah. It's like, oh, the only way that you can stay strong in your marriage is if you have a marriage based on Christ. I'm like, no. Like, <laughs> I know I know plenty mm. of people that have been married for over 50 years that are fucking atheists. Yeah. And I know even more people that were Christian that are divorced at least yeah, once. Yeah. So let's really be honest. <laughs> Chad Chad sits down behind her and is basically stalking her like as she's talking to her dad he just happens to be sitting behind her and I'm just like no dude like but she just like thinks it's charming or some shit like as soon as her dad leaves he like leans in and he's like oh you know that's really bad I'm sorry blah, 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 blah. like oh god so not only were you sitting behind her but you were fucking eavesdropping like that's creepy as shit dude got yeah. nothing else better to do nope. the fuck is that yeah, nothing so wow nick cage doing airline <laughs> humor like in the fucking galley at the beginning before they start taking yeah. off you know like yeah. he's like making some fucking flight joke then the flight oh. attendant <laughs> the flight attendant comes back with one of the best lines in the movie if you have any more bad jokes you can come to me and i just imagine her like talking about his dick or something like that yeah yep yep that's the way it's playing i mean off. I, what I, what i wrote down is is that the flight attendant basically says fuck me like a bad porno <laughs> <laughs> but this girl this girl just needs to get in a long conversation with i mean chloe just needs to get in a long conversations with everyone about why they believe in god like she yeah. immediately starts having this long conversation with chad i'm like wow it's a good thing that this is happening in the first 10 minutes of the movie yeah. or otherwise like i would really question whether I mean, this movie really believes i do god. that all the time i go to the airport and just <laughs> start sit down with strangers and, yeah <laughs> i think it's the airport is just the place to do that you know i mean you you confess to strangers at the airport too that yeah. you strangled a hooker in thailand or whatever it like matter. it's definitely what you do it stays in the airport right yeah it's like the confessional yeah sure <laughs> sure <laughs> but it's pretty coincidental that chad happens to be on the same flight number that chloe's dad is piloting oh, i found that really bizarre it's like somebody's watching over everything and just making things happen in the right way at the right time. Maybe. Like maybe, the fucking Paul. script writer is a piece <laughs> of shit. <laughs> or maybe, Paul, maybe yeah. this is all part of God's plan. <gasps> 
Of course it is. You know, I fucking hate that <laughs> cop out, by the way. Like when anything bad happens, mm. like it, it was always in the church. It was always, oh, it's part of God's plan. You just don't understand it. I'm like, how is it part of God's plan <laughs> to rip my fucking heart out and destroy me as a human being? Like uh, I, I always didn't get that. Well, you but... sound like one of the non-believers in the movie, Gabe. Oh, yeah, I know. Uh, I know. I know. Arguments. I know. All right. <laughs> they got you they totally got <laughs> and it's even it's even more coincidental paul that chloe knows so many people in jfk that <laughs> jim jim a gate attendant driving in the yeah. golf cart runs past her and calls her by her name and i'm like okay so jfk jfk sees over two million people <laughs> a day walking through that airport and all of a sudden he happens to just see her and she's just not behind everybody else if you've been to jfk <laughs> There are stacks yeah. upon stacks upon stacks of people standing in front of each yeah. other. Like it's fucking ridiculous. No. Like I, think- I really don't want to. <laughs> I'm really worried about flying at all and any time after coronavirus because JFK, bro, like that is like breeding ground <laughs> oh, yeah. central. Oh yeah, no, but it's a fucking cesspool for sure. No, oh, it is pretty sure. funny how I think a lot of. I'm sure the book was pre 9/11, right? But but they had to like take all these moments where you're like that would never happen post 9-11 like somehow yeah. this girl who's college age yeah. has been hanging around the airport for years and she yeah. knows the fucking yeah. guy who drives a cart by name yeah and yeah all this shit and you know somehow a woman brings a fucking gun on the plane she just uh <laughs> happens to have it. yeah how the oh wait wait no 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 she didn't bring it on the plane it was the uh it was the air marshal got raptured and he left the gun behind oh okay. so, like that's where they got I the didn't. gun I didn't see that part. Okay. Right. But anyway, Chad Michael Murray has known Chloe for less than 15 minutes sitting at the coffee shop, but he kisses her cheek. Yeah, that's a bit forward. And not only and not only does the gate attendant walk up to address Chad by name, she knows exactly what he looks like and that they are delaying the flight because of his chat to Chloe. <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck, dude? Like, I don't get yeah. it. But then Chad somehow walks directly onto the flight deck to talk to Nick Cage <laughs> and give him mm. the U2 tickets from Jim slash Chloe. This is my biggest problem with this movie is the fucking flight deck, dude. I'm like, yeah. okay, they have iPhones in this movie, which means that it's after 9-11. Right. But right. they're walking on and off the flight deck like it's no big deal. And like fucking Nick Cage is coming out of the flight deck all the time. And I'm like, isn't it a thing after 9-11 that like <laughs> they have to stay locked until Doors, they land? Yeah. Like they can't even yeah. get up in order to go to the bathroom. They have to stay in the fucking cockpit because it's a fucking, you know, problem if the door yeah, opens. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. That's another post 9-11 thing that just doesn't yeah. work with this yeah. movie. It yeah, doesn't yeah, make yeah. any sense. It's so a piece of shit. Fuck I got you movie. <laughs> fuck you movie. All right, I, I I got a question here. Okay, so who is the big black guy sitting next to Chad? He seems so familiar right. with him, but Chad hooked him up with first class tickets. It's like very like it's part of their conversation, and then we never see him again. <laughs> And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, this is one of the main characters in the movie. And the guy sitting next to him seems like maybe that's probably somebody that might be in the movie a little bit more because he's sitting next to him. But no, oh, God, like he never fucking shows up because God forbid, God forbid we should have a black guy in a Christian movie. You know what I mean? God forbid. Well, he got raptured. He was he was a good Christian. They never said that, though, man. Like, They never oh, yeah, they implied that. Yeah, they he never just showed. He just—he's just not there in the edit. He's just fucking gone. The <laughs> editor raptured him out of this fucking movie. Which, thank <laughs> God for that. But. Mm. 
The old couple. I want to talk about the old couple for a second. Oh yeah. Woman goes. How they make on fun of like her her yeah like dementia or whatever. Her dementia. Yeah, yeah it's pretty funny. Right? But woman goes <laughs> on and on about Frank Sinatra and then says that they are home but they haven't taken off and then she starts placating her husband and making fun of him for being old. Whoever wrote this has never been on a plane at JFK or any airport for that matter. Like people are not this friendly on any goddamn plane. <laughs> anywhere i can't remember what comedian was saying it dude but I, I can't remember what comedian that said this is but if you want to have the middle seat to yourself if you fly on a plane wear a fucking hat that says jesus saves and then anybody that comes up to your role say have you heard about the good love of our lord jesus christ and they will fucking sit anywhere on the plane but next to you <laughs> I'm like, that's genius, dude. I fucking love that. But why why is the blonde with the sunglasses just getting her seat after all this time on the plane? Like, it was obvious that oh, Chad Michael yeah. Murray was like the last person on the plane because she was right. coming up to him and saying he was going to depart. But all of a sudden, the blonde woman runs up with the sunglasses and she's just getting to her seat. And the attendant oh. already greeted everyone. So presumably the door is locked and pressurized by now. But this woman uh, still walks on the fucking plane. Maybe, maybe she. And it was implied that she was in the bathroom doing coke. Oh, and, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe yeah, they cut that pre-flight. out. Okay, yeah, okay, yeah, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll move past that. Okay, that's fine enough. <laughs> I, I, I buy that. But, dude, why the fuck is there a dwarf in this movie? I, I, I want to honestly know, like. Why is there a dwarf in this movie? Like his dwarfism is always used as a punchline, but like they never like mention who he is or anything like that. And he's just there in first class. I'm like, is is he supposed to be himself like the actor on the plane or like what the fuck's (laughs) going on here? Yeah, no, they needed uh, they needed a couple more punchlines on top of the the dementia jokes. And dude, they fucking profit on those punchlines at the end with the blow up slide. But I'll get to that in a second. Oh, God damn it. (laughs) With the dwarf and the blow up slide. I'll get to that. But of course, the the only way that they could inject some humor into this movie dwarf related. (laughs) fucking shameful all right so of course of course there is a texas businessman on this plane with a bolo (laughs) tie and talking about acquisitions because why not but instantly instantly we cut to nick cage throttling up for takeoff no taxiing no safety briefing nothing he's just in the air right after all this shit but Chloe, when she gets back to her parents' house, Chloe gets to her little brother in the exposition line, quote, that new baseball glove I've been asking for, because there's nothing more Christians like than baseball, especially Christian boys that are nine years old, obviously. Why didn't they give them a goddamn football, dude? Like, that's more American. Yeah, that's that's a lot more American. But he is a little too scrawny for, uh, for football, so... Why don't we just, why don't we put him in the real place where he can maybe, maybe he'd be a <laughs> Baseball, shortstop yeah. or something. Yeah, sure. uh, he's, wow. he's wiry. Yeah, you sure. Know, he's got okay. some, <laughs> but, oh man. Yeah, I think that kid is more annoying than the uh, speed racer kid, honestly. Mm-hmm. Luckily, mm-hmm. he doesn't have that much time on screen, so it helps. Yeah, he's kind of gone kind of quick, but. Yeah, he gets raptured the fuck. I, oh man, <laughs> like perfect, the perfect example of like how terrible his little acting is is there's the scene between the mom and the daughter and they're talking about jesus or whatever and the kid like peeks around the corner and is watching this argument and the, he just yeah. has this like flat 
stare that has nothing to do with what's going on in the conversation. Yep, like, okay. Yep, yep. They're I'll just be. like, okay, look around the corner and we'll pick the best take. And that was it. Or maybe they were shooting a completely different scene yeah. in script or something yeah. like that. Don't doubt that at all. But yeah, that was, that was awful. That was bad. Fucking yeah. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> But dude, mom mom takes her gloves off and sets them on the long insert of the oh. white Bible because white Christians are the <laughs> only ones we should fixate on. But dude, Asian Asian guy on the plane has a conversation with the Texas businessman about how a new jet that gets to London in six minutes and the government getting it from Area 51. Why the fuck does this scene exist? Seriously. <laughs> Why does this scene exist? I, I don't understand. They never come back to it. It's just like this thing that's there. And it, they never come back to it. They never, I mean, they come back to the fact that, oh, obviously he's crazy. And he's like a fringe theory guy or whatever the fuck. Yep. But I know he's oh, dude. so crazy compared to thinking that rebuilding a temple in Jerusalem <laughs> is going to bring about the rapture. But anyways. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. Or that there's a giant, you know, white guy in the sky with a beard that's, you know, taking tally of what the fuck you're doing. But yeah, okay, so mom and Chloe talk about nothing, small talk, then men. Then she makes fun of her mom's religion to her face again. Like, who fucking talks like this? <laughs> Like, okay, like I've been an atheist since I was 13 and my mom, like now I'm 33, 20 years I've been an atheist and my mom is still a Christian. I don't go home and every chance I get dog on my mother about her beliefs because it just doesn't make any sense for me to talk like that to my mom. But, you know, whatever, you know, I mean, I, I'm just a guy with real life experience, not just some cookie cutter character out of some fucking movie. I mean, doesn't she try to convince you to uh, let yourself be saved every time you talk to her? Nope every not conversation at not at all yeah, huh. not but at all. i mean in the movie yeah, i know every I know. christian in the movie is like you should be saved i mean i'm trying to save yep. you but you're yep. just you're just you're not getting it gabe <laughs> i know i know i'm obviously Get shit together of- gabe <laughs> <laughs> obviously <laughs> but mom says mom says she wants her daughter to be ready this is actually true to life and that a lot of people i grew up with were constantly trying to save me in the damn near very actual argument that's in this fucking movie or conversations in this movie so that is actually fucking true to life is that as ham-fistedly as her mom like throws that shit into random conversation is exactly how so many friends i grew up with in the church actually try to proselytize me like i've been tried to be saved more times than i can count over the last 20 years and it's like it's incredible every time it happens is that when it pops up i just sit there and i'm like uh, <laughs> and I listen, wait, Gabe, I wait. listen, it's it's an insurance policy, okay? If God That is real, exactly what it then, is, dude. Then if you believe in God, then you won't go to hell. See? All right, just in so, case. So just right, so, just ha- in case. Hang on a second. I want I want to bring up something that I really love and that's True Detective season 1, right? My favorite line in True Detective season 1 is and I think it's kind of funny because uh because Matthew McConaughey is a Christian and Woody Harrelson is an atheist, but they play opposite roles in that. Yeah. yeah. And uh my favorite line comes from Matthew McConaughey and he looks at Woody Harrelson when they're at the Bible like tent or whatever, the revival, that's what it's called. And yeah. he's, he's looking at him and he says, "If the only thing in 
life that's keeping a person decent is the expectation of divine reward, then brother, that person is a piece of shit. <laughs> Dude, I couldn't stop clapping after that line. I was like, oh my God. I was like, that is exactly what happens in the, in the fucking Christian church is that all these people look past their faults and look past all this other shit happening in their life because they believe number one, that Jesus could come back any second. So all their like long-term plans don't really count for shit. They're like, oh, you know, fuck the environment, fuck everything else. Like Jesus is coming back any day. We don't need to change our recycling habits or any of that shit. And they, they always count on the fact that like, oh, I can't be associated with you because you're a non-believer and like, I need to get to heaven. And like, if I'm unequally yoked with a non-believer, like that could take me down. And that keeps me from having my mansion in heaven with all the gold streets and all the other bullshit. (laughs) I'm just like, they willingly put their heads in the ground, dude. They willingly put their heads in the ground. So that way they can deserve their mansion at the end of all this life. And I'm just like, wow, man, like, wow. Like I have no words for that kind of shit. It's fucking insane. But let's, 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 Uh, let's move past. (laughs) I I could get stuck on this proselytization thing. This yeah. whole fucking podcast, yeah. but all right, all right, all right. just calm down. Oh god! So of course, Muslim guy is having a tip <laughs> with the fucking dwarf because why not? And because dwarf is an angry little asshole, he's always assuming people are going after him because of his stature. But little girl, little girl across from him talks at length about her daddy again because this scene has no bearing on the movie about her daddy's a football player or some shit, and it's revealed that the dwarf is a fucking gambler because of course <laughs> obviously he is going to be left behind because he's a gambler this is one of my biggest problems dude okay like if you curse or you're a gambler or you're a drinker and even in the bible it says if you are a short person i'm not joking when i say this <laughs> short people are not allowed into heaven according to the biblical fucking old testament interpretation short people are going to hell look uh, at the fucking where, where, movie man where, the dwarf gets it, left behind where does it say that Damn, I don't know what that is. I'm going to have to give you the exact (laughs) verse after this because I don't remember, but like, it's fucking unbelievable to me. All right. All right. Got to back up a bit. And, uh, you know, there are people that, uh, you know, are perfectly decent and don't take yeah, yeah, yeah. the Bible literally, but yeah, yeah, they yeah, use yeah. it as a spiritual guide. Sure, 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 sure. There are sure, plenty of sure. people that are cool. Sure, right. sure, sure. Okay. <laughs> so, All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, Paul, yeah, Paul, we got to got back up on railing on Christians Paul, for a second Paul, here. Paul <laughs> makes an important point here. I, I'm going after the biblical interpretation rather than Christians as a whole. So, like, I, I'm not I'm not trying to rail. Like I said at the beginning of the podcast, I'm not trying to rail on all Christianity because I've met plenty of Christians that are fine and they don't try this kind of shit. I'm just trying to say specifically what's in this movie and specifically what I've actually in, like seen in my real life. That that's yeah, the way that it is. No. Okay. So there's a lot to get riled up about. No doubt. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> let, let's move on for a second because I wrote, so I wrote yet another note about what is with the goddamn music with it shifting <laughs> to some super string, heavy, happy family yeah. hallmark bullshit as the brother asked yeah. to go to the mall with Chloe. Like how, oh, how is yeah. this kid? How is this kid this old and doesn't know the word brain? washing he's just like oh you're washing her brain or something like that and like chloe sloughs it off in some way it's <laughs> like what kid at 10 years old doesn't know the term brainwashing but again i haven't been 10 years old in 23 yeah. years so maybe yeah. things have changed in the education look system. At, he's so innocent he gets to go to heaven sure yeah yeah, yeah. but you know so what's the, what's the age cut off by the way like all the okay, children that so, they show get all right, to go all right, to heaven, all right, all right, like, so where does it end there it, like, it, de- it depends you know. it depends 
depends <laughs> on your particular sect of Christianity because like with, uh, with Catholics, Catholics believe that like babies who aren't able to repent on their own because they don't have like language yet, like they need to be baptized, right? But as a Christian, I wasn't baptized as a toddler like that. Like I had to wait until I was old enough in order to make that admission on my own. So I was in like this limbo period between the ages of huh. zero and six that if I died, maybe I'd go to hell. I don't know. But <laughs> in, in the Bible, in the Bible, it says that like babes will be raptured to heaven, meaning that like children that don't have the ability to speak. And the reason that that's important is in the Bible as well. It says that like in order to be saved, you have to proclaim with your voice that Jesus is your savior. So I'm like, okay, so basically anybody that can't speak can't do that or don't don't doesn't have the mental capacity to have the thought process if they mute or whatever in order to fucking like repent or whatever. That's the biblical interpretation. But I was confused by that in this movie because like he's 10 and he gets raptured. And I'm like, everybody, it's obvious that everybody in this family, but the mom, they make a big point of this is that the mom is the odd man out that she's the one that believes in religion but everybody else doesn't so i'm like so is the kid on that like the kid's got to be on that bandwagon because he's listening to his dad talking about brainwashing his mom so i'm like so why is he raptured in the way that i was taught as a christian he would have gone to hell he wouldn't have been raptured you know like (laughs) yeah i I don't know dude like this movie is so like Uh, i I don't know all over the place when it comes to that because i'm like christian dogma the way i was taught was the biblical perspective it was very fundamental so like i don't know what the cutoff is there i really don't yeah. but like the entire nato ward biblically that would happen is that biblically the entire nato sure. nato ward would be gone yeah so yeah. but there it just seems like after it happens there aren't anyone there's no one under the age of 18 it yeah. seems like yeah it really like, does i know some fucked up 18 year olds yeah. so i don't know about that shit i know some fucked up like 11 year olds Dude, yeah, shit. when you were <laughs> when you were 16 you were a fucked up piece of shit you would gone to jail for hell yeah you would have gone <laughs> for sure dude no yeah, doubt yeah no doubt no, for sure for but, sure okay yeah. so let, let's move past it for a second let's <laughs> let's talk about how the pilots in this movie never wear, wear headgear ever to communicate with ground control or communicate oh, with each yeah. other or whatever like wouldn't they need to be in contact with flight control as they're taking off fucking nicholas cage takes off so that way his <laughs> his quaff on his head can't be ruined oh, by like headgear no. or some shit his quaff is something yeah. to behold bro like that is some plug shit happening up on <laughs> top of his head it's fucking wild but okay so and what pilot what pilot gets up to stretch his legs and walk about the fucking like passenger cabin i've yeah. never seen once again ever post 9 11 it's Dude, not even allowed even literally. before 9-11 i don't remember this shit. but yeah. I, I'm I, well like, when i was a kid you could actually go and like sit in the pilot's right, chair right right right, 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 I mean, right that was pretty fucking sweet actually i do remember I that. Do that i do remember that and uh i got like a like a 747 model and everything just for yeah. coming up to the cockpit all like, that shit disappeared after 9-11 dude uh, all the yeah. kids fucking goddamn terrorists <laughs> fuck you guys back up for Get a second let's out. say let's say fucking goddamn george <laughs> w bush bro let's let's get it real let's say even get more specific and say fucking goddamn dick cheney and carl rowe yeah, fuck those yeah, motherfuckers yeah, yeah you know if there is a hell both those motherfuckers are going to it i just gotta say dude they're some evil <laughs> evil human beings okay so let's let's talk about let's talk about the only depiction of black guys in this movie beyond the black guy on the plane okay black guys in this movie are seen break dancing at the mall <laughs> nice mm-hmm. and their music is like Maybe some- they were like gay. 
Christian breakdancing troupe. Or oh, something that makes like that. sense by how fucking bad the music is because it's like some twelve-year-old's <laughs> version of a beat. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> but how how yeah. does Chloe how does Chloe lose her little brother so quickly? Like, she gets mm-hmm. distracted by the black guys dancing, and somehow somebody like almost flies mm-hmm. a drone into her head. Yeah. Like, what kind of mall yeah. is tempted it? tempted by the sinner? You know, all those all those young men, yeah, dancing. Obviously. wriggling about she just got uh, distracted look what happens oh, dude Her little brother just disappears gets raped and then <laughs> gets captured yeah uh, yeah yep. all right so every street and this mall is obviously not in new york because like everything is way too big <laughs> way too fucking spaced apart uh, yeah, from each other so suburban and yeah, i'm like okay funny. so the writers have never been to new york city apparently like ever <laughs> but oh look at this oh dude this is the moment this is the moment that i burst out laughing is that the rapture moment happens on a fucking flash frame and chloe is left holding an empty set of clothes and smoke is like coming out of them and i <laughs> i lost my shit seeing this dude. i was laughing my ass off especially with the flash frame we talked about this previously with the happening is that it's a cheap filmmaking technique is that you put yeah, a white frame yeah. and you like fucking merge that shit with your previous timeline and that's the rapture sequence dude <laughs> Like, okay, so there's a movie, I can't remember what it's called. I think it's maybe just called The Mark. Maybe it is that movie, The Mark or The Beast or something like that. But it's this Christian movie that it has a very, I still remember to this day, it has a disturbing depiction of the rapture. And that's that people don't realize that it happens when it happens. Like they literally look away for a second and they turn back and that person's gone. And every single rapture was like that in the movie. It was like never seen. It was never a flash of light. Like none of that shit. Okay. So Paul, you were, you were <laughs> raised, you were raised in a mostly like agnostic home. You weren't raised in like a God fearing home, so to speak. You did talk right, previously right. about how you had gone to like a Christian preschool, but did you know about the rapture prior to like seeing any movies about the rapture? Hmm. I don't, uh, I don't recall much about it just i mean it's part of it's just a big part of culture american culture especially yeah yeah i mean you just start picking up on it even if you're not i mean the only reason the only reason that i ask this question is that everybody in this movie that's not a believer seems dumbfounded by what's happening but like i think that i mean i don't want to be i don't want to be broad here but i feel like everybody knows about the rapture in some way and like if something like that happened they would immediately go to that because they've heard so much fear-mongering around the rapture for so many years that they would know and everybody in this movie seems like dumbfounded by it like they they can't even like articulate what's what's jesus again yeah it's i've never heard of jesus before it's yeah, like part no, of a it's... real big problem with this movie is <laughs> like everybody's so dumbfounded by this and i'm like wow man like people i mean just like i said i don't want to be general but i'm like everybody that i feel like i know knows yeah. about the rapture now it's kind of like maybe uh the author is making assumptions about how much non-christians don't no, know about yeah. christianity <laughs> that's a good point like, oh yeah, yeah. You, you haven't been to church, so you can't possibly know anything about yeah. anything we're talking about here. And we got to spell it out for you. One of my favorite arguments I ever had with my mom was she was talking about how she believes the atheists don't have a moral code, right? And she's like, well, you don't believe in the Bible. You don't believe in God. Like, where's your moral code? Where's your like higher power that you believe in? And I'm like, it's pretty simple with atheists. Like, we believe that your moral code is entirely your fault. Every fucking decision that you make is your fault. It's nobody else's fault. It's nobody else's plan. It's your fucking problem. (laughs) 
And that yeah. I think, and my mom was just like, well, where's the personal responsibility? I'm like, how is that not personal responsibility? Everything is your fault. It's not the plan of God. It's not this. It's not that. It's not the other. It's literally only your fault that this <laughs> happened. And my mom and I yeah. got in this huge argument about it. And I was just like, okay, we're just going to have to degree, agree to disagree because like, I feel like Christians have less responsibility in that fact that they just like slough things off to, oh, it's God's plan. It's this plan, you know, like yeah. it's, it's, it's a biblical prophecy, whatever. It's never anyone's <laughs> fault, but you know, let's, let's move on. So I don't get bogged down. In <laughs> Mu- Mu- Muslim guy, Muslim guy is obviously mm. left behind and says immediately Allah Akbar because Islamophobia. Okay. So be, if Wait, people, he doesn't say Allah, Akbar. he does, he does. Oh, Cause I wrote it down because I was like, what oh, the living God, fuck is this? So like, I, I want to make something explicitly clear here for anybody that's listening. Allah is God. It is a literal interpretation of the word meaning God in the Quran. If you, if you spend the time to read the Quran, it is literally the same God that Christians believe in. And in the Quran, it says that Christians, Jews, and Muslims will go to heaven. It's the only one that's based on like this Judeo-Christian idea of God that actually says that. Jews and Christians don't believe that each other are going to heaven. If a Jew (laughs) will not say a Christian is going to heaven and vice versa. Christians will say that Jews and Muslims aren't going to heaven. But like Muslims are the only religion where it's like, you know what? No, we all believe in the same God. It's all God. Like Allah translated from Arabic means G-O-D capital G, meaning the same God that Christians (laughs) believe in. But there's like this fucking huge problem in America. (laughs) Well, what are you getting to about this Allah Akbar thing? I just, it bothered me because like they use it as some sort of like Islamophobic, like, oh God, he's speaking fucking Arabic. Oh, you know, like, oh no. And then like him being on a fucking plane and being like cryptic about his movements later toward his briefcase that he might have a gun in there, but it's a fucking toothbrush, which I'll get to later. Like all that shit is just this like reinforcement of Islamophobia that Muslims are somehow not worthy of going to heaven because they're Muslims. And that shit pisses me off. It's just blatant as Islamophobia, but (laughs) okay, I'm going to move past this, but of course, of (laughs) course, the co-pilot is a Christian because we need something that's directly next to Nicolas Cage because heaven forbid that the fucking script doesn't have a atheist (laughs) co-pilot too, and he's completely unaware of what's happening in the cabin. He uses a direct hammer to the head in order to reinforce (laughs) that his wife was correct. Yeah. But why why are the why are the fucking passengers still exibu- experiencing turbulence? Like it takes Nick Cage a really long time to level the plane just because yeah. the co-pilot isn't there. I'm right. like it doesn't take both yeah. of them working in unison in order to keep the plane level, you know what I mean? Right. I mean they've also got like autopilot. Yeah. And, uh, I mean it's the co-pilot leaves takes his hands off the the stick for a few minutes it's yeah not the whole going plane's to not gonna plane. go down yeah you're not gonna you're not even gonna be like directly flying the plane on a transatlantic flight i know a lot of it's auto punching in waypoints you're maintaining and, trajectory and fucking yeah. like velocity like your vector is the yeah. same and that's it yeah. but okay so he still doesn't have a headset at this point in order to report any of this to ground control he doesn't even try until the middle of the second act to try to fucking like talk to ground control which drives me insane 
scene, but yeah. why does everyone immediately start looting in this movie, Paul? Like, what the <laughs> fuck? Yeah, I was going to bring that up. I just love that. It's just <laughs> immediately everyone's fucking looting. It's like, what? Yeah. Oh, shit. The rapture. Let's go fuck some shit up. All right. So you know? if, this, if this sort of event actually happened and there were all these people that didn't, for some reason, like we said before, never heard about the rapture, I feel like there would be this very real cognizant response of like, what the living shit? And everybody would be frozen in fear, not immediately yeah. go to violence and looting. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's fucking unbelievable. But that's what non-Christians do. I guess. But right, yeah. okay. So old man mm. disappears but not his wife on the plane how does that happen yeah. like why does the yeah. old guy disappear but not the wife is it she because she forgot fucking... that she believes in god that's <laughs> it dude i was waiting for you to say that <laughs> and so but, she doesn't get to go you know they, they talk about this all the time on small town murder is that like as the town gets progressively older the non-religious aspect of it goes like majority up compared to religious when they're not so old yeah and jimmy and james always talk about like this this has got to be because either they're too old that they forgot that they were religious <laughs> or they've been through too much shit and they're like, there's no way that a God can exist. I'm 85. <laughs> I've seen some fucked up shit in my life. <laughs> Okay, so everyone swarms the cockpit almost immediately. Like, why? Like, what is their yeah. goal here? You know what yeah. I mean? Like, let's take down the plane. Yeah, yeah. fuck them up. <laughs> I was confused by that because, I'm like, are you going to take control of the plane? Like, what exactly is your goal here? Are you going to turn around and try to find the same area like that asshole talks about? Like, we need, or no, 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 the, the black woman, the black woman on the plane that has the gun later talks about, we need to turn yeah. around and see if we left them back there. And I'm like, what the living shit? <laughs> are you talking about like, uh, yeah. but uh fucking nicholas cage comes out and he says we're experiencing a decompression and i'm like that's the best that you can come up with people <laughs> disappeared and you're like oh we're experiencing a dis decompression put your fucking mask on but then i thought about it in like a fight club kind of sense and i was like oh okay oxygen gets you high and maybe he can get people to calm down so i i kind of yeah. gave up on that point as i was writing the note because yeah. i was like okay you know maybe 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 me <laughs> It's, it's pretty crazy, but pilots can just turn off the fucking pressure in the cabin and decompress <laughs> the whole plane at will. If they yeah, it's kinda, that's it's unbelievable. Crazy. Yeah. But, but dude, I, I looked that up because I was like, is that real, man? Can you really just turn a dial? And I think it's a little more complicated than just accidentally pressing the switch that says yeah. kill everyone. But, <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> but, but yeah, they can uh, decompress the cabin and... Uh, Make everyone chill out yeah. a little bit, you know? Dude, but in the chaos, in the chaos, a white woman and a black woman are playing tug of war in the fucking mall over something as an, <laughs> over something as an angry white guy in a truck attempts to ram a car out of his way because all of a sudden everybody is being a dick for some goddamn reason. Like, it's not like anybody's going to stop and be like, wait, 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 you know, like what the hell is going on? Like, okay. So I've, I've been in a few crisis situations over the course of my lifetime and every single time people freeze, that's the number one thing that people do. Yeah. Like people freeze and they don't know how to react. And it takes a number of minutes because people actually are in shock when something horrible happens yep. for them to start doing something and even they're then people don't get thinking angry. about it and, yeah, yeah they're, thinking they're trying it. to rationalize yeah. what they just saw 
<laughs> but like immediately people turn into dicks in this movie. But you know, finally, finally, Nicolas Cage gets on the radio to the ground, but no one responds. I'm like, is everyone on the ground Christian? And that's why he can't get a hold of it. Like, how many fucking people <laughs> in this movie are raptured? Like, it just so happens that yeah. everyone that's important disappears all of a sudden i'm like wow this is a really really strong opinion of yourself christianity that like everyone that is of power or has any sort of will in this world is a christian fucking yeah oh god all right so i'm, I'm gonna move past so it for I, a second. i'm worried i like i i'm curious like again who who is because there's like, it's like 70 percent people identify as christian in this country but yeah. uh it's not 70 percent of the people in the movie disappear it's yeah it's minorities know, it's, uh, yeah minority right yeah it's much fewer it's than fucking that. unbelievable so yeah yeah well, i just <laughs> i mean i want to know what the 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 trick is you know it's just... like it's like that joke <laughs> it's like that joke in family guy where everybody disappears on the rapture and like they get to heaven and like this one guy's at the pearly gates and they're telling him he's gonna go to hell and he's like but i've been a christian for 30 years and he's like yeah see you were wrong the actual Actual answer is Mormons. Mormons are the only people that are going into heaven. <laughs> and I love that so much because I'm just like, I mean, it was even an argument when I was a kid was like uh, asking what particular sect of Christianity is actually correct. And on top of that, what particular church in the city that was preaching that Christianity was correct? <laughs> And yeah. that's what I thought was so weird is that like, wow, like as a kid is being naive, I was like, wow, I am so fortunate to be in the only church that's preaching shit that's going to make me go to heaven. And like the other big church in Albuquerque was Calvary Chapel. And we were always dogging on them about their preacher, Skip Heitzig, that he was a fucking <laughs> false prophet and all this other Damn. shit. And I was just like, wow. wow, man, how fortunate am I to be in this one church? <laughs> like that, that blew my mind. It's like this yeah. fucking, I, I don't even know the word for it, but like the uh, I don't know if sectanianism is the right word, but like the splitting of sex, like secretarianism, secretarianism. Yeah. yeah. But like yeah. the, the fact that the secretarianism of Christianity is so unbelievably specific that like it could get to that point that this specific church yeah. is the one that's correct, but you know, whatever. All yeah, right. So <laughs> this, by the way, watch making, watching this movie really made me want to revisit. This is the end. Yeah. That is an amazing rapture movie, right? There. End of the world movie. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and, uh, and not I to mention that it's that hilarious. <laughs> yeah, it's hilarious. But then in that movie, it's like all you have to do is some kind of personal sacrifice thing yep. or something, and yep. you get you get immediately Raptured. beamed to heaven. I love that. But dude. you so you good. can fuck it up in the middle. Of <laughs> it's so good. Get a little too. <laughs> yeah. All right. So the the yeah. biblical the biblical interpretation is is that everybody that's left behind on Earth during the Rapture is going to go through seven years of tribulation, and during that time period of tribulation, like they're basically going to have these like roving death squads being run by the Antichrist in order to track down people that are like trying to convert and kill them. You know, like that's that's the tribulation. It's going to be seven years of this shit, and like it always kind of bothered me because I'm just like, so after the fact, you convert to Christianity and like you have to go through literally being killed by somebody in order to go to heaven like because you can't commit suicide you know because right, suicide's right. a fucking mortal sin you go to hell for that shit but you know whatever I, i'm gonna move past all this dogma <laughs> bullshit for a second because i want i want to talk about the movie but <laughs> chloe chloe almost gets hit by a falling aircraft just like she almost got hit by the careening car that came through the fucking window yeah. and it's like how many times can Amazing. one woman almost be hit by something 
something. And it just so happens that we're like focused seven on this in this one movie. person. <laughs> uh, exactly seven times. In is it? Movie. Did you count? Or are you just being no, facetious? I didn't. I'm just I'm just okay. being an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> seven is God's lucky number. If you didn't know, uh, oh, cool. seven and three. Those all numbers. of those. Oh yeah, I thought all of those numbers were his favorite. Just except for six. He doesn't like that. Yeah, one. six. Obviously, that's bad. Especially if you have three sixes. Oh, Jesus! All right. So I, I got a real question, Paul. Uh, why does the captain even try to use that cell phone? He knows it's not going to work in the air, but then it says like no satellite. Like, do they have sat phones that look like iPhones for some reason? Or is that just some... I guess so. I mean, you need an antenna to connect with a sat phone or a satellite on right. your phone. You can use an iPhone, but maybe it has like a internal cell transmitter in the plane, which then has an uplink to a satellite and that's not working. Of course, just, throughout the whole movie, it's like dropping in at the perfect moment to build yeah, some tension. Yeah, exactly. And then of course it comes back. It's fine when they need the, to be able to communicate. Right. And then it goes away. They need to fucking establish. Yeah. yeah but it just does that very conveniently throughout the whole movie because you know, the writer is a lazy <laughs> piece of shit. Yeah. But the, the yeah. flight marshal, the air marshal is raptured, which I think is really interesting, but his empty clothes and gun holster just laying there. Does this mean that obviously the cops are going to heaven? Like, what exactly are they trying to say with this message? It just so happened. He just happened to be a good man. I mean, there's lots or, of cops later on on the ground, so yeah. man, those or are bad maybe, cops. Or maybe it's a what they call plot device where they need to put a gun oh. in somebody's hand and oh, yeah. figure out how to Makes get the sense. gun. Oh, yeah, that's it. Okay, so. That's a good idea. So it's a fucking oh. day sex machina now yeah well it is about god ironically everything's off the table man (laughs) do whatever you want in this movie doesn't matter yeah so uh speaking Uh, of doing whatever go ahead go ahead oh man hold on so i think somewhere around this time i think one of the best lines in the movie comes up where the stewardess is like you know breaking down she's all crying and stuff (laughs) and she's like aren't you scared to Nicolas cage and he's like I will be as soon as I have time. Did he say that? I don't even remember yeah, that line. Yeah, he said that. <laughs> wow, man. <laughs> I don't even... That is the most cringeworthy thing that I've heard. Oh, yeah. That was great, man. Secondhand, I can only imagine <laughs> how horrifyingly fucking did that. Yeah. Oh, okay. So... <laughs> So speaking of doing whatever they want, the fucking school bus flies off the bridge and she's standing under in order to careen off and land directly at her feet. So by my count, in my notes, it says that this is near miss number four for her. (laughs) Of course, it happens. Somehow this bus is driving for like an hour and a half. Right. (laughs) Without the driver and the children in it before she finally comes out and walks over to where it happens yeah it's incredible so, yeah, right it's, yeah, yeah, it makes sense to me <laughs> but late boarding blonde girl with sunglasses starts starts hyperventilating and she has to excuse herself to the bathroom <laughs> she somehow like shoots up and he sees the fucking track marks but whatever you know this is obviously I written by it... somebody that's never come into contact with how drugs are actually used <laughs> <Yeah>. i think <laughs> One of those she people gets... that says oh he smoked a marijuana you know <laughs> she gets the worst performance of the movie for me her really? character when she's like writhing in the chair like uh she's all grinning like uh. 
I know what this is. It's pretty bad. And, and she like, says she damn. says that she knows what it is, but she can't remember the name of it because she doesn't remember Bible school that well. And I'm like, yeah, okay. So <laughs> as a kid, if you were involved yeah. at all with proselytization with Christianity, especially in a Bible camp of some kind, they drill that shit in your head. So that way you're yeah. scared of it like none other. And you remember that like every fucking little <laughs> detail. And like she just happens to forget. I was confused by that. <laughs> So Nick's plane, I want to talk about the collision course scene, bro. Nick's oh, plane is on a collision course with another <laughs> plane where both pilots were Christians. Just so happens. But of course. But guess what? I, I really want to bring this up because I, I kind of brought it up earlier. But wouldn't it be irresponsible of Christians who believe in the rapture to j- take jobs where their absence would kill hundreds of people? That seems selfish as fuck. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, get a job where your your job doesn't fucking rely on hundreds of people. <laughs> yeah. So, as a Christian, you can't operate heavy machinery. Yeah. What you're saying because you could be raptured at any moment. Exactly, and, dude. Well, there's I like mean, once you're raptured, who gives a fuck? You made it in. For you, it you know, doesn't matter, you. but, you know, hundreds of people may die because of you. Well, I was like, there was a bumper sticker that was sold in the bookstore at my church, and it was like, in case of rapture, this vehicle will be unmanned. And I always thought that was fucking oh. incredibly selfish. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Uh, but why? Why does Nick Cage during this scene attempt uh, a barrel roll rather than just steer? Oh, my off? God. Yeah, it's like, pretty funny. It's this big he, fucking thing. He could increase the <laughs> throttle and bo- like go up, and he'd go right out over this plane because they're yeah, main or to the side they're obviously down. in autopilot got- because it's maintaining trajectory so it's not like it's gonna move I mean, he has plenty yeah. of time to see it and he's trying to radio yeah. it rather than try to avoid the shit <laughs> could have just changed his course with the <laughs> whatever. tiny little twitch of the whatever and would have been fine they have like 30 seconds to react to this and somehow it's still in your midst like the air the airspace is rather large and yeah. it doesn't take much to move around something <laughs> especially when you have a hundred miles of radar detection in front of you and you know it's really but he collides with the other plane and then the it... script needs it god yeah. damn it <laughs> but he collides he with to... the other plane he collides with the other plane dude and then it cuts to those people on the plane and it, like those people are still calm after their fucking plane hits somebody and it cuts back to them before they steer off and like fucking explode but i'm just like what the fuck is happening <laughs> i mean if, if the same thing was happening on their plane that's happening on this plane at least a few people are missing okay the fucking captain isn't saying anything maybe the flight attendant isn't saying anything then they collide with something in midair and these people are still calm and i'm like what the fuck is going on like this doesn't make any sense that these people would be like okay with this but okay yeah whatever so here here's same. a here's a real same. question though paul is that like if he knows he's gonna run out of fuel before he gets to new york and he can't get to syracuse like was it why doesn't he ditch it in the ocean he's got plenty of flotation I mean, <laughs> devices for everybody yeah I mean, uh, the other thing that he could do is, I mean, he'd be flying the uh, the Great Circle route, which takes you past Newfoundland and kind of south of Iceland and all right. that. Right. So he'd be coming back and he'd have literally hundreds of airstrips that he could land, land at before there. he even reached New York. Yeah. But we need Chloe to save the day. Because isn't isn't Greenland <laughs> isn't Greenland the midpoint between here and London? 
Like uh, a I don't strip. know, maybe. I don't remember. I, mean, I don't think you actually fly over Greenland when you're going to London, but you're no. But I mean, it's much high. It's, it's a few degrees latitude north of it, and like you yeah, could divert I the mean, plane in closer. a disaster scenario like that, rather than yeah, turn around and yeah. go back to New York. Okay, so I, I got to get to the dumb fuck moment of the movie for me. This whole oh, movie okay. is stupid as shit, but the dumb fuck moment of the movie for me is that this movie obviously has a low opinion about dogs. Every dog is still on Earth at the like they flash across all these dogs and i'm like okay this is my opinion if there is a god dogs are the most pure and loving creatures on the planet (laughs) if there is anybody that's gonna go to heaven it's a dog and anybody that has a dog they've loved to death and not somebody that does dog fights for a living they can say that their dog has some sort of soul or personality that it is a marked spirit that you've never come across a dog like that in your life because dogs have their own personality and their own fucking heart and their own little idiosyncrasies dogs have had tons of fucking decisions that they've made over their life that they could have gone to heaven for because dogs are pure so fuck you that's all I gotta say I thought all animals just burn in hell or something i mean it's in the bible it says that animals don't have souls because it allows christians to just slaughter and like no fucking like but it's fucking ironic but then why do you sacrifice that's my point that's the ironic part (laughs) whatever i guess it's i guess it's the fucking symbolism of it you know like sacrificing a lamb and like they i mean pre-christ arriving on earth israelites that was a symbolism for something that they didn't know yet you know what i mean for hundreds of years they would just Mm -hmm. sacrifice the lamb and then when jesus came like and sacrificed himself on the cross like that's the lamb of god sacrificing himself the blood of christ but like hundreds of years israelites did it without knowing why they did it like they just (laughs) killed animals at random and burned them in the fucking tabernacle for what reason (laughs) fucking unbelievable but I'm gonna move past this. I'm gonna I'm gonna skip ahead because <laughs> I'm getting bogged down here a lot in my notes. But uh, let's cut ahead for a second because Nick Cage finally comes on the intercom. I'm skipping ahead because like I'm getting bogged down again. But Nick Cage comes on the intercom, and while he is honest about the severity of their situation, he basically says, "You're all gonna die. Pray now." And he gets off the intercom, <laughs> and I'm like, "Dude, come on, man! Like, I, what the fuck, man? He's gonna cause like a panic." And people are going to rush the cockpit, you know, like well, he already shows that he can deal with that. I'd let him panic, <laughs> have a party, have an orgy. Oh, whatever. dude. Oh, my yeah, God. Yeah. This would be orgy central right now. I'd be like, I'm fucking dying. Yeah. yeah, I feel like if that happened more than looting, there'd be orgies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, just one gigantic. Sticking your dick in everything you possibly could. <laughs> yeah, doesn't matter. There would be bestiality and all sorts of fucking crazy shit happening oh. for sure. Right. So Nick Nick says that he has to put the plane down in the water because JFK has city on every side of the airport. But this isn't true, okay? So there's quite a lot of area around JFK that you could emergency land a plane if you need to. LaGuardia is the airport where there's fucking queens everywhere and that you can't crash land a plane in LaGuardia. But, you know, what do I know? I just looked at a map or I lived in a fucking city, (laughs) you know, like... Chloe, Chloe is like supposed to save the day, right? And Chloe just happens to find a truck with the keys in it, number one, because they don't like show you how she turns on the vehicle. She doesn't hotwire it or anything like that, but she happens to find a truck with the keys in it. Then Chloe proceeds to use her truck to clear the under construction highway for her dad to land on by ramming (laughs) things out of the way after relaying her coordinates on the compass app 
to Buck. And I'm like, okay, so <laughs> while the Compass app... When I hear it, Buck, I'm just like, I'm Buck, and I'm here I to fuck. fuck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Me too, dude. But, you know, the, the Compass app, while it's accurate on your phone, it's accurate within 200 meters. And 200 meters is a big problem when you're trying to land a jet on like say <laughs> an abandoned freeway or strip of road that looks like it's 50 feet wide in the middle of a field you get 200 meters off on that and you could have a real problem you know what i mean <laughs> like seems like a little problem but okay so i'm gonna move past it and i'm gonna say okay whatever maybe she's correct but first she needs to move a steamroller paul because no. the tension is the slow rolling vehicle in the scene. <laughs> is this supposed to be a comedy at this point? Like steamrollers move slow, but not that slow. You know what I mean? Like she's just barely creeping her along. But then they run out of fuel on the plane. But without ele but he said earlier in the fucking movie that the elevators are gone. And I'm like, okay, so he doesn't have elevators and he doesn't have fuel or braking flaps on one side. So he can't descend, like period. He doesn't have elevators which allow him to move down. He doesn't have braking flaps in order for him to stop. And he doesn't have he any said, fuel. <laughs> I think he said the the slats were broken, which are a different different thing. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, uh, but I mean, he yeah, did yeah, say yeah. that he didn't have any elevators though, which would allow the plane Oops. to pitch up and down. Yeah. So I'm like, he wouldn't be able to pitch up and down. So what's his plan? Is he just going to fucking wait for the plane to glide slow enough for their thrust to just disappear <laughs> and he can land? I mean, I was confused. Even without elevators, you can control the pitch by varying the throttle. There's lots of different ways fuel, you can get though. Oh yeah. Well, they're fucked. They're going to die. <laughs> but don't worry, God's gonna save them, yep, so they yep. can endure seven years of. <laughs> that was so fun. <laughs> I'm gonna get to that because that just fucking. Yep. But of course, of course, the truck Chloe has just happens to have a can of gas in the back of it, and that there are <laughs> barrels of gas just stacked up by the heavy equipment that's all yeah. blocking the end of the fucking freeway. By the way, which nobody's doing with your no, gas. It's not. Oh my god! Stack it up in a pile next to your house. <laughs> But let's 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 enter let's enter dumb fuck moment number two, Paul. Let's oh. enter slow motion fire sequence oh, and the explosion yeah. shot with GoPros that. from the truck, which I fucking understand. <laughs> and and now we have Chloe running from the plane coming down. Running! She's sitting there with her truck like high centered, and they're like, oh my god, she's in the way. And like, she doesn't think to get out of the car. She wants to move the fucking thing, and she's trying <laughs> desperately to get it out of the way. This is the part of the movie that, beyond being a stupid movie, I was just like, this guy has no idea how to direct action scenes because this is the stupidest shit I've ever seen in my life. Like, it's really fucking bad. But. The plane is coming down and Chloe gets out of the truck that's stuck in its landing path, but she can't think to get out of the truck prior <laughs> to this exact moment that the fucking yeah. plane is coming down. Nick just happens to write the plane over his daughter and come <laughs> within a foot of the giant tanker truck full of gasoline that's just sitting on site for some reason. Because now this turned into from pro-Christian to stupid action movie. Complete. <laughs> 
with slow motion running scenes of explosions going off near Chloe. And here we go. Planes on the ground magically fucking arrives and the flight attendant only drops one slide of the plane. Not all four on all the emergency exits and she makes everybody clamor in order to get to the front of the plane. But this gets to probably what I think is the most cringeworthy moment in the movie. And we talked about it earlier is that Muslim guy kicks the dwarf in the ass and he falls face first into the slide because comedy, (sighs) because that's what we needed to Uh, see in this movie was this moment. And he he bounces too. And he bounces. (laughs) But Chloe, Chloe runs from the fucking slide and runs into Buck's arms Mm. first. Not her dad's, Buck's. (laughs) Because we need to reinforce that these white people are going to get together and everything's going to be okay. Because that's the ending of the movie up into this point. I haven't gotten to the point that you were trying to bring up. Do you think they're going to get married first? I mean, otherwise, no, they're going to bone, dude. They're going to bone. Okay. So how are they going to get saved? No, no, no. All right. So I want to bring this up. (laughs) Every, everybody that's raised around someone that's Christian, even if they aren't Christian knows the way you get into heaven. Isn't that you repent and you live your entire life as a Christian and do good works. Is that on your deathbed, when you're about to breathe (laughs) your last breath, you pray (laughs) to God and you believe for the last 15 minutes of your life that God is real and you get into heaven. That's how it works, Paul. So yeah. for during this time period, she just needs to bone her fucking brains a, out and hustle. get the mark of the beast. And then last second, she needs to be like, oh, I believe in Jesus. And then like get shot in the head and <laughs> she's in heaven. So now, now this is the thing, dude, is that they all get out of the plane and no one is moving away from the crash. And the flight attendant doesn't do shit to move people away from the area. She just lets them all stand, stand around and they turn around and New York is on fire. And Chloe decides to tell everyone this isn't the end of the world. It's just the beginning because they have to fucking. How did she know that this was just the beginning when she didn't even know about the rapture? I'm just curious. Like, how did she know about the tribulation? She goes to the the church guy. Remember that whole scene where she has an excellent line? Oh, right, Uh, right, right. She asks. Why should I listen to you? Because the uh, the pastor, the, still the pastor is still still there. And then she says, "You didn't even listen to you." <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's good. Yeah. I did like that. But so she she comes to the realization when she goes to the church that it's the rapture, and he tells her about it. Right. So now she now she understands because what's happening yeah there's yeah she's never been exposed to american culture before right right and it just so (laughs) happens that it's a magical black guy preacher telling her that her life is about to change and that she doesn't have it as bad as him because he was a preacher that believed in this and then stopped believing and died Mm -hmm. and like it's gonna be fucking trapped in this shit magical black man trope thank you again for that bullshit But, dude, we we crane out to a country Christian song and Mark 13, or I'm sorry, 1332 saying essentially, we don't know when this is going to happen, Paul, but live in fear and save everyone you possibly can. Because this is the Dick Cheney approach, you know, we don't know when, (laughs) we don't know where. But something awful is going to happen. <laughs> so we're going to Code Red. Roll credits as now. the song, as the song says, quote, 
I wish we'd been ready. And you know what? I read a review that kind of summarized this in the same way. I wish I had been ready to see this fucking thing because I was <laughs> not ready for what I experienced during this fucking movie. It was something horrifying that I have... <laughs> I still don't know how to get over what I saw. It's really, really fucking horrifying. Dude, where are all the demons and shit? That's what I, I know, see man. Rapture movie. Right? I know. That's awesome. I know that shit is awesome. Okay, fucking... so preceding the rapture, preceding the rapture is like the rise of the Antichrist, right? In the Book of Revelation, and after the rapture is when he comes to power. Is that the call to heaven, so to speak? Is the Antichrist getting to the point that he's going to be able to control the new world order, which is a huge huge thing in Christian dogma <laughs> is that the entire world is going to turn over. And that's why they're so afraid of globalism is that they're worried that it's going to turn into the new world order and one world government and all that other bullshit. Right. But then there's the other sects that are trying to bring about the rapture so they can bulldoze a mosque in Jerusalem <laughs> and rebuild <laughs> and rebuild the third temple. So right. The, the rapture dome of the rock. Yeah. 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 Idiotic. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so so Paul, I I haven't gotten to it because I didn't know how to slip it in here, but I want I want to get to my sandwich beef this week because oh. any sandwiches in this movie no no sandwiches dude they didn't even Did do like eat no one nobody ate anything, anything. like Shit. i think chloe drank coffee with buck and then like uh, there was a there was a food service cart that the black girl that was the flight attendant disappeared from but that was it like yeah. nobody ate anything nobody mm. drank anything so there was a deli in astoria queens right you know who you are you motherfuckers <laughs> you're off 43rd and 20th i should know better than to eat at delis whose plexiglass hasn't been replaced in 20 years and is yellowing but if it's 5 15 in the morning and i want to eat i'm not walking a full city block somewhere in fucking astoria in order to try to find another deli that might be open I want to talk about the bacon, egg, and cheese, right, Paul? The BEC. If you remember from episode eight, Birds of Prey, a BEC oh, yeah. is a bacon, egg, and cheese. Now, I want that right oh, now. Oh, so good, dude. It's so good. Any time of the day <laughs> or night, I fucking love bacon, egg, and cheese. But okay, so um, now when I went into this deli, I got the same thing you can get anywhere in New York, whether it's a halal deli or not. I want a turkey, bacon, egg, and cheese on a roll, right? Salt, pepper, hot sauce. Pretty simple. Quite a few people in New York get ketchup on this motherfucker for some reason, but I digress, which is disgusting, <laughs> by the way. Like, I don't get that. <laughs> it's it's not hard to scramble an egg, Paul, right? Am, am I out of my mind here in order to say that it's not hard to scramble uh, an egg? So it's pretty easy. You can put it in the pan. Fucking stir it around. It around yeah, until it like stops being <laughs> runny and like you pull that shit out of the pan. Okay, so, but somehow, somehow this grill man at this deli can't fucking avoid getting a shell in the egg or actually scrambling the egg so that the white doesn't burn to a fucking crisp, right? So I get my sandwich. It's 5.15 mm. in the morning and I bite into it. This guy has burnt the white and overcooked the yolk to the point that where it's rubber oh, and it's acrid, dear. like eating a fucking roofing that's shingle. It tastes like that, that's, you know? That's how you fuck up a scrambled yeah, egg, yeah. actually. But I, I spit right this motherfucker out on the ground, like literally <laughs> spit it out on the ground and the buddy that I was with asked me was wrong and like I didn't even say anything I literally flung this goddamn sandwich into the street as a passing dump truck slid by and ran over the remains of the sandwich 
<laughs> Anyone that knows me knows I can rant at length if I feel like I've been had, like somebody fucked me over. But this day, I didn't say shit for the first four hours of the day because I was so pissed that they <laughs> fucked up my sandwich. That's... It's a lot, man. <laughs> but this is all to say to the grill man at the deli off 43rd, closest to 20th Avenue in Astoria, eat a fucking bag of dicks, you <laughs> asshole. You fucked up my whole day because you can't figure out how to scramble an egg. The easiest thing you could possibly do is a grill man. You dumb motherfucker. That is my sandwich beef this week, people. <laughs> Since they had coffee in this movie, could uh, talk about coffee for a minute in that people need to stop burning their <laughs> fucking coffee already. Like, Yeah, yeah. It's a real problem, <sighs> dude. When when it tastes like smoke, that's that's a little overdone. You know, maybe you shouldn't roast it that much. Just back it off a little bit. That's the worst when it's that bad. It's just it tastes like oil yeah, and acid. Yeah. It's, uh, it's really hard for me to drink Starbucks dude, coffee nowadays. Kalen... I mean, it's, I have this uh, huge problem that Caitlin, every time that we're some traveling someplace, she'll want to go to like a Starbucks if she's tired and get a coffee. So like every time yeah. without fail for the last 10 fucking years, she always gets a Starbucks coffee and she complains about how it tastes like shit. And I'm like, why do you keep getting it? And she's <laughs> yeah, just like, well, yeah, I do she's like, thing. it's because it's 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 consistent shit. Like, I know what kind of shit I'm going to yeah. get. It's not like when you go into a fucking gas station, you get a cup of coffee from a gas station where it may taste one day, it may taste sort of like Folgers, and the next day it could taste like hot cat piss, you know? Like, you don't know what you're going to get in that sense. But at least with Starbucks, you know what you're going to get. Yeah. And I'm like, uh, yeah. still, you just paid them $5, so <laughs> save yourself the 5 bucks. Starbucks in Seattle being the home of Starbucks, right. there's a special place called the Starbucks Reserve, Reserve yeah. I yeah, think. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty they have one good, of those off of 14th actually. Street in New York too by Chelsea, dude. Like, oh, all right. Well, that's not yeah, as yeah, cool I know. As I thought it would. But anyways, I got to go in there and speak at length about coffee roasting <laughs> with their master roaster for like a half an hour, and that that alone made it worth the price of admission because <laughs> he was a pretty cool guy and just yeah, he could talk about roasting coffee all day <laughs> and new shit. I mean, but you know, you got to adjust your your profile to the average American who's barely getting above Folgers <laughs> and like taste buds. So. Is that the real life reason yeah, that he told blame. you? Well, I mean, you just have to deal with the palate and you can't use single origin beans in everyone's fucking, you know, daily shit, <laughs> you know, shit coffee or whatever you want right. to call it. So, you know, but that's uh, pretty interesting though. I, yeah, I, I fucking, I'm getting tired of, like medium roasts and dark roasts like and even light <laughs> roasts that claim they're light and you could smell the burntness on them i'm just like fuck you guys that is not light roast you can fuck yourselves yeah light roast at a minimum has to have like a little bit of the bean skin on mm. it otherwise you burnt it to fuck <laughs> right, right, right. fuck out of here you guys that claim light roast when it's really just burnt yeah. all right that's that's my my coffee beef <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna copy your Start thing. Start doing now. a coffee beef. Copy beef. <laughs> Complain about all the baristas that have slighted me. <laughs> 
Oh, dude, you know the worst place in the world to get coffee, aside from Chile, where they only have uh, instant roast, but uh, really? Orlando, Florida. Oh, dude, why, into... why the fuck would you even bring up Florida, dude? The worst uh, of everything. Because I had to go there. I had oh. to go there. And if you walk into a Starbucks and ask for a brevet, which is simply a shot of espresso with some cream in it, like a little tiny thing. It's not this big ass <laughs> thing. And instead they give you a fucking 16 ounce cup with two shots of espresso and the rest is half and half, cold half and half. That is not a fucking brevet, you stupid motherfuckers. Not only did I have to send that back once, they gave it to me in a different format again but still not a brevet and i had to carefully explain what a brevet was to this barista and in the end i just told her to give me a shot of espresso and i walked out without paying because it took fucking two orders you get the shit right to not even get not oh, even yeah, get a yeah, yeah. for I them to still fuck it up i mean you did go to florida dude like florida is the fucking outhouse of america you know what i mean <laughs> <laughs> yeah I figured, like, Starbucks would at least have some something that would teach these people about the basic espresso yeah, drinks. Yeah, but some sort of not. training program or whatever. They only know what it is if it has 5,000 calories <laughs> of sugar right. and right, cream right, in right. it and is a frozen mixed <laughs> fucking frosty beverage. Right, right, right. God, God damn. damn, dude. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I, I just want to say for a second that, you know, Florida, if anybody's listening from Florida, you know your state sucks. Like, don't give me any shit about it online. Like, you're Get, get out. out. Get out before the flood comes. For real, dude. Seriously, it's coming. <laughs> Just leave, man. I mean, you, you fucking know it sucks, too. I mean, like you, you <laughs> fucked up two elections just in the last, like, 20 years. And, like, you fucked up the coronavirus and you fucked up all sorts of shit. You fuck up coffee on a regular basis. You have the mouse living in your fucking neighborhood. On top of all that shit, dude, what is with everybody in Florida either drinking oil or fucking, like, eating each other's faces or any of that shit? <laughs> It is like more white trash. It's just a Florida more man. More white trash than any place I've ever been. Today, a Florida yeah, man. Florida man. <laughs> more white trash than any place oh, I've been in any backwoods country in fucking Arkansas <laughs> or Kansas or whatever. I've seen more white whoa, trash whoa. stupidity in Florida than I have anywhere else. Florida State University may as well be just like, knock on the door, we let you in. You know, and like, fuck you. <laughs> it's worse than DeVry. I don't give a shit, you know? <laughs> fucking sue me motherfucker i dare you all right so uh, paul do you have anything else to say about this movie dude i did want to talk about if you can, can think think of any movies that are good spiritual like kind of themed movies because i you know we talk a lot right. of shit about <laughs> the different things in this and so i just wanted to bring up two movies that have a lot of spirituality themes that i thought are really great and they were kind of profound to okay. me when okay. i watched them one is baraka sure if you haven't sure. seen that sure. go fucking see it sure. it's probably one of the best movies ever put to film right. and the other is uh what the fuck Samsara. is it called? uh for all mankind oh yeah for all mankind dude. 
that yeah, is a, yeah, great, movie. a great movie. It's just it's just a bunch of footage of the astronauts in the Apollo program. It's all cut together, but they it's just it's a really great yeah. documentary and it has a lot of really interesting and profound moments from, you know, people that have been off the planet yeah. standing on the moon looking out at our tiny little marble of a planet. Yeah a dust moat in, in the vastest of space, <laughs> right. and they are very profound in their thoughts. Dude, how, how could you not have stuff. how could you yeah. not have a fundamental crisis of profundity and humanity seeing that? You know what I mean? Like, how could you yeah. not have that? Because, like, you can, you can talk all day about it, and you can see pictures and shit like that, but to actually experience it, how could you not have that like profound yeah. crisis of like mortality. I, I don't even know. I mean, if I feel like if I was in that situation, I would come back and I would put a gun in my mouth and just end it. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't mean anything. <laughs> We're in the middle of fucking nowhere. We're just drifting. <laughs> Nothing means anything. I'm just a speck in the universe. Like it doesn't fucking matter what happens to me. And that's it. Cause like you get your cosmic nihilism or you have a spiritual moment. And you're like, God is real because this shit, just couldn't be out here in the middle of this vast, cold, empty place without Some being crushed by a hundred thousand asteroids at any point. So, yeah, go check out those movies. I think it's interesting how people have opposite sides to that coin because it's like, you know, evolution tells us that we are a mathematical probability that, you know, on a long enough timeline, like this shit was going to happen regardless. Right. Of and then like there's other people that choose to look past all that and think that oh you know like no we were preordained like it's obvious you know yada 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 and like what i what i've tried to argue with my mom who's a christian again is that in in the bible this is one of my favorite arguments is that in the bible it says that an eon of time is like a day to god right so like thousands of years can be like a day to god and so like i always try to argue with my mom like why is it that like you can't believe in the big bang theory and that the earth is 6 billion years old or whatever 4.7 billion years old why can't you believe that because wouldn't it be wouldn't it make more sense and wouldn't it be so much more profound that if there is a god that he created this place over a four billion year period and that was his six days and like made it perfect over those four billion years in order to put human beings on this planet doesn't that make that so much more special than just believing that the earth is six thousand <laughs> years old yeah. like that god was the source of the big bang and like that's where all this came from and it's like a synthesis of the two of them because you can still believe in evolution, but you can believe that it was steered by God. Because even in the Bible, in Genesis, it says that God creates all the animals and then he decides yeah, like, right. oh, I'm going to take this clump of dust and I'm going to spit on it and I'm going to breathe air into it and it's going to become a man. And like, if you believe that, it's like, that could be the reason why we haven't found the missing link is that there's monkeys and then there's like, homo sapiens you know and like maybe that's why we can't find the missing link between the two of them if you want to believe it in that sense i believe oh, that uh, you know there are several I mean, missing I don't, links but there's uh i don't uh, actually think we're missing any links I mean, yeah yeah, yeah. you you know fossil you know what i mean in the back, broad... uh, okay okay let me yeah. let me preface this by saying that i'm <laughs> i'm trying to play devil's advocate from a christian side okay, oh, okay. Right, so right. like i believe that there's a Christ like many many missing links i don't think it's fucking like beyond belief that we actually evolved from apes but if you want to synthesize the two why can't you just fucking agree on that God damn it. Like, no yeah, more people yeah. need to die because of this shit. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> no. Nope. Everyone, everyone's got their uh, own interpretation. Uh, 
Martin Luther back in uh, Germany back in the day decided that he would write his uh, his own interpretation of the Bible and just uh, and uh, just uh, kind of set us up for this craziness that we yeah. got right here. But he shit of... on he shit on everybody and like his life was threatened and they ultimately killed oh, him. Anyway, yeah. so. You know, if you want to listen to a good podcast, uh Hardcore History, it's called guy by the name of Dan Carlin and he does all mm -hmm. these different historical he does a shitload of research into his things. But he did one on like Martin Luther uh, and then this town that like revolted against the Catholic <laughs> Church right. and all the crazy shit surrounding this. That was one of his uh, really good kind of short episodes. But he's done mm. a bunch on like Genghis Khan right. and you know like twenty hours of content on like Genghis Khan or <laughs> all these other. And, and he has a good way of putting things in perspective, and I really enjoy his stuff. So go check that out sometime. I have to tag him on this episode. <laughs> he has to get to the end of the episode to get the fucking kicker. Yeah. Uh, All right. Well, anyways. once oh, again, what are we gonna do next week? Oh, I don't know, man. I I gotta I gotta figure that out. I was I was looking at the list and uh, I was trying to think of what would be interesting for next week because like this is such a profound travesty of bad filmmaking. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't I don't know where to go from here man like I, I I think that we need to honestly I think that we need to stay away from movies on the bottom 100 for a while because I can't yeah. I can't take this anymore like I just straight up can't take it it's too much I get too bogged down <laughs> too much fucking shit and I go yeah. like every, every week I write five to six thousand words right this week I wrote seven thousand words and it just keeps growing <laughs> Cause I'm just like, I can't, I can't like fucking, I can't put my, I can't wrap my head around how these things happen. You know, like I just can't like, it's impossible that like people deliberately made a bad movie. Like, <laughs> it's gotta be like utter incompetence that causes it. You know, I, I was thinking, dude, honestly, like I, I want to, I really want to sit down and either watch hackers or uh, black hat. Because I, I want to get your scientific opinion on coding and shit like that. And yeah. I think that Black Hat is such an excellent example of a great filmmaker that just like completely fucked up a movie. And like we haven't really analyzed that yet. You know, like a great filmmaker yeah. that did a really bad movie. And I think that Black Hat is legitimately a fucking terrible movie. It's either that or I want to go toward Van Helsing because I want to watch something that's just... <laughs> utterly mindless visual effects garbage that yeah. you know i i can't watch jack and jill like i'll just tell you that like straight up i can't <laughs> can't on, go over man. that because it's, uh, it's too much man I, I just can't i can't deal with that shit all right all right I'm let's gonna have do a or, or black hat i haven't seen either one of them so. What? You haven't seen Hackers, no. dude? No. As much as Zeb wouldn't shut the fuck up about that movie, you never saw that? I don't think he would really talk about it to me. Maybe because huh. he thought it was a joke or something. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. What was the other movie with Sandra Bullock? Uh, the Net. Net. The Net. Yeah, the yeah. Net. He was... I think he was into that movie too, but I, I don't know. That's a terrible movie. Yeah, yeah, it's a bad movie. If but. if he is into hackers and we choose to do hackers, we should get him on here in order for him to <laughs> offer his CS opinion because that's, uh, yeah, that's and good. try to have him defend that pile of shit because <laughs> it's so bad, dude. I have no idea. Anyway, once again, guys, this is the Movie Dicks podcast. That was the 2014 Nicolas Cage. A front to God, for lack of a better word, <laughs> called 
Left Behind. Yeah. A terrible, terrible movie. Yeah. By Once the way, again, a lot of Christians hated this movie too. So we're oh not, yeah, we're not, I, di- I didn't really get a oh, lot yeah. of like feedback on that honestly because oh, yeah, like, I don't, no. don't want to dig into that because I was worried <laughs> I was going to go down like this rabbit hole of like reading people's like opinions and shit, and I was just like worried yeah. about digging that up. But I mean, I, I don't doubt it. I don't doubt that the, the Christians hated this movie. I don't know any Christians that actually have <laughs> talked to me about this movie for Christ's sake. So I don't know. Funny well, that let's one have of a the little study group sometime. Yeah. It's funny that one of the number one curses that you and I have used in this movie is using the Lord's <laughs> name in vain continuously over the course of this episode. Yeah. Uh, it's okay. just part of my daily vernacular. Oh, dude, especially I when I'm talking God to my damn, computer. I use goddamn at least fifty times a day. Like yeah. I don't even mean to say it, it just comes out. It's my it's go to. God damn you. <laughs> All right, well, anybody, yeah, everybody, this is the Movie Dicks Podcast. I'm Gabriel Chavez. And I'm Paul Schendel. Thanks for joining us, guys. Good night. Good, oh, shit. What? I was, uh, <laughs> I was, uh, checking on Black Hat and Hackers, the browser, and I had the window minimized. Um, and then when I pulled it back up, it was the video of you and the blonde lady was like hovering right over you. And I thought it was Caitlin, but then it wasn't. And I was like, oh, what the fuck? Is someone attacking you? What's going on? And then I realized it was a movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's great.